are you, Mark? Yeah. We're we're on, Mark. You've got the wrong things muted over there and unmuted. You need to unmute uh, the ISDN or the Comrex Access. There you go, buddy. There you go. Just learning how to do radio here. Well prepared, sir. Well prepared. <laughs> Doing show prep. What do you want from me? You're supposed to do that before the show. Free talk live, live Tuesday, Wednesday edition here. Uh, Mark with you, Jay. That's the proof that it's live, and it's Ian Freeman. That's true. Ian sitting in the third chair, not doing his normal uh, co-hosting stu- or hosting stuff here that uh, is always done reasonably well. And it's my job to learn how to do this so that I can be a better host generally. You've been doing this for 12 years, yeah. 13 or 16 No, I or haven't been like in the that. first chair, though. But, and you've also been absent for a little while. That's true. So let's go to uh, some show prep I've got here. Um, I like this one. Turns out uh, from, let's see, it's from uh, Fox 30 out of Jacksonville, actionnewsjax.com. OSHA finds the United States Post Office in Jacksonville $129,000 for exposing mail carriers to the August heat in Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hot in Florida. The idea that uh, somehow you're going to be able to avoid that as a uh, mail carrier seems kind of silly. Seems unrealistic. And then there's the whole rain, sleet, snow, gloom. Yeah, that's, fa- that's fake. Yeah, that's that's clearly fake. So the uh, Occupational Safety and Health Administration doesn't uh, agree with this. OSHA accuses the Arlington Post Office and Merrill Road of putting mail carriers in danger by requiring them to deliver mail in high temperatures. The federal agency issued uh, the United States Post Office a uh, fine of nearly $130,000. USPS began the process of contesting that fine Tuesday. So what do you think, Ian? Should they... Contest the fine? Are they uh, the wrong? I mean, you know, you love to see the government fight with itself. Got a favorite? Um, yeah, I mean, none of this. Okay. Well, sir, first of all, the Postal Service is the one of the few government agencies that basically is self-funded. I mean, there are few exceptions to that. They're basically self-funded. Um, so who ordered this? Was it a judge? I'm sorry, I missed that USP, part of the USP, uh, it's the OSHA, uh, Occupational Safety and Health Administration. OSHA, okay. And so they want the Postal Service to pay their own employees, basically? It's a it's a fine, is mm-hmm. what they're calling it, I presume. Oh, so they're paying OSHA? Yeah. Well, then they should definitely contest it. <laughs> I, I love the idea that they have to pay OSHA something, just for fun. Why would, why would you love that? Uh, it just amuses me. OSHA is just one of these organizations that just, as far as I'm concerned... They overreached. I mean, the whole idea with them was to protect people, but they're ridiculous. In fact, uh, you have to ha- you can't even rent a bobcat in Massachusetts now because of Massachusetts, uh, the state of Massachusetts. Their form of OSHA is makes it, you must have a hydraulic hydraulics license to operate any piece of equipment that can lift five hundred pounds more than like ten feet. Okay, so that's a bobcat, sure, sure, bobcat tractor, you know, whatever, and. But uh, so what? I've happened, seen fourteen-year-old uh, young men operating a bobcat. I mean, it's. Uh, I'm not saying it's not a specialized skill, but it's not like you can't learn it. Well, what that's done is that's uh, made the uh, rental market on Southern New Hampshire pretty darn good because uh, a good friend of mine I do a lot of work for and where his place is called Quick Lift, and he's in kind of a uh, he's buddies with a lot of other rental guys, and he says all the rental guys like. That are on the border towns. They've yeah. just uh, 
they've like they're making put, a mint. They put on like six more bobcats, four or five more mini excavators. You know, these things are fifty to seventy thousand dollars a piece, and people are coming up with Massachusetts license plates and renting them. And but what is happening is a guy is like literally like redoing his yard with a bobcat somewhere in Massachusetts, and OSHA dude like drives by and actually gets out there and makes him stop. Now he's government agent is you know trespassing uh, on private property and telling some guy who's not engaged in commercial activity or anything, just property owner, that he has to have a hydraulics license and demands to see the hydraulics license. And and this actually happened to a friend of mine uh, in, in uh, Ludlow, Massachusetts. Do you have to show your hydraulics license to the OSHA guy if he's on your property without uh, you know, a complaint would say, or something? No, I, I would tell him to get off the property. So what my friend did is he called me up right away. I was in Colorado when this happened. He's like, you're not going to believe this. There's an OSHA guy here. I'm at my grandmother's house. Uh, it was his uncle's skid steer. His uncle had a construction company. Okay. And uh, he says, you know, he's doing some work for his grandmother, ripping out shrubs or something. And I I go, tell that guy he's trespassing, tell him to come back with a warrant, and tell him you're going to call the cops and have him arrested because he's trespassing, and get off the property. And so he he goes, I'm on the phone with my lawyer. He says, you're trespassing, and and he tells me to call the cops unless you leave. Come back with a warrant. And the guy, guy like, mumbled some stuff to him. He goes, get off my property. I'm hanging up and I'm dialing 911. <laughs> I'm going to have you arrested for criminal trespass. And the guy got in his car and left. But all these OSHA dudes are like these pencil neck soy boy type, you know, <laughs> bureaucrats that, you know, they're not tough enough to be a cop, but they want to be able to push people around. And so yeah. you can usually um, hammer on them and, and, and they'll walk away with their tea, but, you know, their, their uh, tail between their legs. Yeah, I think that, uh, uh, I, I don't know if we, we were clear what a skid slide loader is, but uh, basically it's a small, yes, yeah. s- small piece, uh, piece of equipment. And uh, let's go on with the story here. Uh, according to OSHA, August 9th, uh, letter carriers were exposed to the hazards of high ambient temperatures while delivering mail, which could have led to heat cramps, heat exhaustion, and heat stroke. People's health is a number one is number one and should be a priority in any job or task that is set before us," said uh, Post Office customer Frank Jackson. Said a customer? Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm rereading that. That's what it said. Action okay. News. They they, they, <laughs> they found a. Where's the story from? ActionNewsJacks.com. Okay. Uh, well, I, I mean, f- surprise! They found a bootlicker outside the post office to right. interview. Action New Jack's first alert chief meteorologist Mike Burrish said that it was the hottest time of the year in Jacksonville with a heat index of 107. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Florida. It's hot in Florida in August. It started being hot in Florida in August about the time that the Spaniards arrived. At least that's when we began keeping record of it at any way, shape, or form. It was probably after it came out of the ocean. Yeah. It's hot near the equator around august so the idea like any mail carrier any person who signs up as a mail carrier in um jacksonville florida has to at least understand that they're going to be dealing with some hot weather mail carriers have their windows open on their vehicles they're in the shade but it's hot do you think those little mail trucks have air conditioning the old ones probably don't didn't but i'll bet you the new ones do Hmm. I, I know the uh, a friend of mine hauls uh, mail trucks. He's got a towing company, and m- the ones up here do not have air conditioning that are 
like four or five years old. Yeah, lots of mail trucks. Uh, uh, like you know, maybe it's true. Maybe they don't have them uh, down in Florida either. They just feel like you're going to be hitting too many houses and opening and closing your windows. Just pointless. Yeah, and a big waste. They seem kind of basic. The mail trucks. No, um, you don't want a particularly complicated truck if you're trying to work on right. these things. You got to got to keep a fleet running. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't have air conditioning, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they the new ones do either. And most of these mail carriers, well, unless they're in rural areas, they're um, they're they're generally walking around anyways. And you would figure it would be in a job description. And all the people mail carrier carriers I've talked to around here. In fact, I was plowing snow the other day. I talked to a guy who was training the guy, and I'm like, uh, "So what do you do when it gets really cold?" He's like, "Oh, I just wear coveralls, wear gloves." He goes, I got an electric jacket, but I haven't used it only a couple times. He's got a couple says he had an electric jacket that he that he can wear and and he says he loves it that he gets to be outside and walk every day. Yeah, I think that's uh I mean I can totally see why somebody would enjoy getting out in the weather. Um however, Diane Nelson, a post office con- con- customer says, I think it's awful. If they had to work under those conditions. It's a heat index of 107. She'd probably change her mind if uh, the mail stopped coming. Yeah, well, what other options are there? Diane, how do you think this stuff is going to get delivered? Yeah. We the don't have postal get, robots yet. The employees can just go get a different job if they don't like it. They yeah. can go to McDonald's and work in the air conditioning or whatever, or go get a you know a bureaucrat job you know, pushing papers somewhere. I don't know why the post office made it so hot on that day in August that they... Uh, I, I, this is... This is insane. Look, the fact is, it's actually, you get paid better generally to work for the post office, right? So they're going to want to stick with the post office, even though it's not as good as it used to be, Ian. Now they're hiring contractors as opposed to postal employees. Still pretty decent, though. I think that what we are seeing here is uh, the the harbinger of the bellwether of the destruction of the Western civilization. If they can't handle, if post if post office people can't handle some warm weather, then that's it for us. Sorry. Close. It's good night, Gracie. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It's the live Wednesday night edition with Mark. Oh, Jay. And Ian. You can call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. We're talking about a situation here in Jacksonville where OSHA has fined the United States Post Office. It's the government going after itself. And uh, basically the idea is is that... uh, uh, the post office sent out its mail carriers in too hot a weather, so they got a big old fine from OSHA. Which, just shut down for the whole month of August. Yeah, I guess. Just no more mail carrying. It, <laughs> it's just too tough for the people who hand rain, handle rain, sleet, and su- snow. They can't handle warm weather. Then they'll go after the UPS guys, the FedEx guys. That's what concerns me. The well, the people working on the lawn, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Well, then you ought to be happy. You said you were happy to see the postal service get this fine. You should be happy they're challenging it instead, because if the postal service can defeat this, then OSHA will have a much tougher time going after anybody else. I'm just you amused. ought to be cheering the postal postal service on. I don't care. I, I'm mostly just amused. Freedoms okay. Phoenix is a liberty oriented. Don't act like you care. News aggregation site. Do you want the newest and freshest stories and perspective on current events from those who value liberty? FreedomsPhoenix.com has it. Their daily dispatch is the best way to stay up to date on science, technology, historical findings, liberty news, government overspending, and the rise of the police state. Freedoms with an S. 
freedomsphoenix.com. It's freedomsphoenix.com. I get their daily dispatch and have gotten it for many, many years. I think it's great. Uh, really good news. Let's go to Vernon calling in from New Orleans. We were talking about the uh, the postal trucks and whether or not they have air conditioning. It looks like Vernon has uh, done a little research on that here in the, uh, the Actually, Discord. Actually, I was walking down to a parade the other day, and I saw the Sunday carrier, you know, delivering those Amazon packages, and, mm. and I just happened to see she was in a newer van instead of one of those old trucks, and I said, hey, do the, I, I was just curious, do they have air conditioning? And she said, the newer ones do, yeah. surprisingly, but she said the older ones don't. Right, right. And so, like, she, the van she looking... She appreciates being able to deliver on a Sunday because she gets to enjoy the air conditioning. Yeah, and so, the overtime. So, the one that looks like kind of like a shorter van, newer model van, uh, that one has like a AC. Like uh, it's a little like bit, a minivan. It's a little more van The Euro vans. It's kind of right. like a bread truck that's been, it's a tiny bread truck. Well, no, are you thinking yeah, of the like old Yeah, the bread truck doesn't have truck? the air conditioning. It's the, it's the minivan looking like right. a Dodge. You're confused, Mark. Oh, I don't know what the new one looks like. Yeah, you're confused. I haven't seen a new one. I'm talking about what the old one looks like. I was talking about the newer van. It's that's different than the truck looking thing with the boxy truck that they've had for many years. Well, before that, they had this little square Jeep thing. That's Mm -hmm. what I would call an old male truck. Mm -hmm. But um, I've never seen that one. Yeah. Well, at least I don't remember seeing it. Ten years, my junior. Fun fact. um, Just one other fun fact. If you're wondering about UPS, the United Parcel Service, uh, the brown trucks. Neither the brown truck or the uh, van have air conditioning. I have asked about that as well. So they they only have heat in either okay. of those. So uh, just I don't know about FedEx, but I just thought that was interesting. Wouldn't doubt it. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Eight, well, five. FedEx, sorry, FedEx are um, contractors. So most of as far what I know about FedEx, yeah, but they seem them, to have a standardized truck. Not necessarily. I've seen Not them driving around. Uh, I said seem to have. Yeah, I've I've seen them driving around Penske rentals. So it just depends. Yeah, um, there's a, there is a FedEx truck. It looks standardized and it looks very much like the uh, the UPS truck. I suspect it's the same thing and likely has the same accoutrement that uh, that the, the the UPS truck has. Arterial salad in the Discord chat over at discord.lrn.fm says the model of the boxy mail truck that we're all mostly used to is the Grumman LLV. They're typically around 30 years old and no they do not have AC so he confirms that. Yeah, that's the ones that come up for sale um at like the surplus oh, things, really? yeah. Very I rarely mean, they come up for sale cuz those things last forever. They yeah. are such great, you know, the aluminum construction, they don't rot out. I imagine the guy who keeps the yard at the local post office uh, is pretty good at keeping these things going until the wheels just fall off of them. You know, they're so simplistically, you know, built and basic that, like, mm. you know, they they source the um, General Motors parts, which are just dirt cheap to buy. And, you know, it's the same things as you're using, like, you know, several hundred production model cars, brakes and transmissions and all that stuff. So, yeah, they're very simple. I've messed around with a few of them. And I, and I just found an article here. I was Googling the uh, Sprinter vans, post office. Are they gas or diesel? I've never seen them in diesel. They're almost always gas, okay. those little ones, especially older stuff. The, the diesels weren't that you know desirable years ago. The bread truck Grumman vans, like you'll see Frito-Lay and uh, UPS run and stuff, and FedEx, and even some postal service, uh, they actually, I like in the 80s, a lot of those came with uh, four-cylinder Cummins engines, and those are really nice because those things get like 22, 23 miles to the gallon. So that that's a diesel? It's a diesel, the, the Cummins? yeah. Cummins, okay. Yep. It's basically the same thing. That's I've like never heard the, of a four-cylinder diesel, but I guess, yeah, it has to have been well, yeah, cars like, and stuff, yeah. Yeah, so like all the Volkswagens are, you know, the Volkswagens are all four-cylinder diesels, but like my Dodge pickup trucks has got that Cummins 5.9s inline six, 
the same exact motor that's in those aluminum, those big bread truck vans, uh, is that same engine, but just four cylinders. So it's, you know, very simple parts and those they're, they're in tractors and everything. that's why it's, that's my favorite bug out engine is that four or six cylinder Cummins because there, there's millions of them have been produced several millions. You can go to any junkyard and find the parts that you need. To Pretty much any the auto parts store, any junkyard, uh, any construction yard. And, uh, yeah. Let's go to Dave calling in from New Hampshire. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, folks. Headed toward the nearest window so I get a better signal. Uh, so uh, the uh, president of the Free State Project is arrested and chained to a pole for trying to film police. It's important what? not to forget about it or let it go. Uh, what? This is something that happened. Who got arrested Pardon? and chained to a pole for the president of the Free State Project? Yeah, Carla Garrick, but it was 10 years ago. Oh, oh I, didn't, yeah, okay. I didn't know they chained her to a pole. I don't remember that detail from the story. Handcuffed her to a pole, I think. Yeah, I wanted to uh, update you. That is, with many things, uh, events like this have echoes, and this one is still echoing a little bit. So one of the arresting officers, what, what happened was there was an incident in Ware, New Hampshire, where uh, Carla Garrick, who was, I guess, at the time, Free State Project president um, in New Hampshire, was, she, was try, she tried to film a traffic stop. I guess the, the police must have stopped someone that was in front of her or something along those lines. She stopped the car and was filming and got arrested and charged with wiretapping, which is a kind of a rare charge in New Hampshire. But Anyway, she, uh, one of the arresting officers apparently went on to gun down a, uh, a fleeing drug suspect. Oh, no. And yeah, over was, cannabis. Uh, fired from the... Fired from the police department, probably for some other reason. I don't know why they fired him. Was this just recently? When did this happen? No, that would have been roughly four or five years ago, I think. Okay. Yeah, isn't it this Officer Kelly, right? I don't remember Was the this the name. notoriously corrupt police department known as the Ware uh, Police Department? Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of uh, scandals surrounding that particular department four or five years ago. I remember the police chief got fired or something and then the next one got fired yep. right after that for something else i forget what what all the i forget all the scandals exactly but there, there was, was some smoke was surrounding one this after another after yeah. another well i'm sure dave's called in to update that uh you know kelly is suing the town aware again to uh, get off the lorry list or whatever this is the list of bad cops oh is that what it is i know he sued them but the, the part that happened recently that i'm aware of and they, they, they've been giving him money i guess as a result of these lawsuits uh, and and now I guess it's a recent most minor. All right, well, hang on, Dave, because uh, we, we'll bring it back. You can tell us what's going on, uh, what the latest is with the corrupt cops on Free Talk Live. Bitcoin.com wants you to know about SaveItPurse.com. Since launching in 2014, over 200,000 users have saved an average of 15% for a combined $4 million using Bitcoin, or BTC. And now, you can use Bitcoin Cash, BCH, to fund your account. You can save between 5 to 33% on things you're going to buy anyway when you shop using SaveItPurse.com. Add items to your cart, fund your account, select your discount, and save. SaveItPurse.com. SaveAtPurse.com. Free Talk Live. It's the live Wednesday edition, and you can call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about. We're talking about OSHA fining the post office, and we're talking about uh, the, I I guess, uh, long past incident where 
the president of the Free State Project was chained to a pole for filming the police in Ware, New Hampshire. So a couple of different topics on the table. It's Mark with you. Jay. And Ian. You can call in and talk about what you want. Let's go back to Dave in New Hampshire. Dave, you're back on Free Talk Live. So, yeah, just bringing you the most recent thing that's happened, I guess, is the city has made another grant to uh, this uh, fired, uh, apparently bad officer. It's just another $5,000. But, uh, you know, $5,000 here, $5,000 there. Pretty soon you're talking state budget. So Now, why are they giving this officer who was fired money after he's been fired? I don't know what the latest uh, payment is for, but it was uh, he, he sued them for, apparently there was uh, some alleged impropriety in the way they handled his records, or they, you know, I mean, I say impropriety, it was they just apparently weren't following the court's instructions closely enough or something like that. Hmm. And apparently he's, he's just litigious, and uh, uh, he's, he, he, he's, he's always, it's like, it seems like every, you know, six months there's a new article about him getting some new money from, uh, from the taxpayers of, of is it where? just him, or is does he have like the police union filing these cases for him? I have never heard any indication that the police union has been doing this for him. I don't know if they have a police union there. But I wouldn't. Oh, oh the believe they me, definitely they definitely have a police union. I, I I could tell you a lot about the Ware police. So I live in Henniker, New Hampshire. In fact, I live two tenths of a mile from the Ware line. I call, I like to call my property nowhere. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, so I've. I uh, there's a little country store called Three C's Country Store. I probably in there every day. It's a lumber yard, hardware store, gas station. And I wear shirts about freedom and liberty, and so I've been meeting all the locals who are into freedom and liberty because when they see a Bitcoin shirt or something or a Ron Paul quote or something, they come and talk to me. So one guy I've been good friends with now for a year. We've been chatting a real lot. Is bent out of shape about this cop. I believe his name is Kelly, who um, he shot a dude that was uh, he that was set up by a confidential informant to come meet and buy a bag of marijuana in a uh, parking lot uh, called Lancelot's and where, and he uh, basically, the guy was like running away and got shot, Man. literally shot fleet running away. And it's legal in for the that back. To happen. Well, it's not legal if it's not a felony. Selling marijuana is a felony. No, buying marijuana, a small bag of it is not. I'm sorry. I thought you said the dude was selling it. The dude was selling it. To, to it was set up to meet a confidential informant in I the see. parking. It was a sting operation, and so this guy, cop, I think his name is Kelly. There's also a police chief named Kelly. It might not be Kelly, but whatever. Uh, this so th- the guy I was talking to in, in where let's say his name is George. Um, George tells me that one of the things that was happening is this particular police officer was doing his his uh, w- one year of his retirement uh, build up fund which is you go to work a detail every single day and yep. then you work mm-hmm. night shift and then after you accumulate your 40 hours you work because you're because you're working 18 to 20 hours a day uh so you know your last 25 hours of your regular work week is going to be double time because now it's overtime and then you're working so these guys are doing like 105 or 98 or 110 hours a week 
so they can collect you know two hundred thousand right. dollars worth of retirement. Right. The retirement system is set up such that I think it's ninety uh, percent ab- or something. Yeah, it's 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 ninety percent or some percentage, some large percentage of your last three years. Two years on, and where last two years on the force. Yeah. So they take it and average it the last two years and then pay you that on a monthly basis. They, for, you know, it's three percent every single year you work. So if you work twenty five years, it's seventy five percent. It's your top two years in the police union has come in there and twisted the arm of the Ware Town Council or Selectman, whatever they are, and told them that for every time that there's like ever sources working or they're working on power lines or doing tree work yep. or any kind of road work, there has to be at least two cops. Oh, two cops. And it's $71 an hour, thirty five fifty is the prevailing wage for Ware that those cops are paid. And when they, as soon as they, this is why your electric bills are so expensive, this is why everything costs more, and this yep. all goes towards a pension. Well, this cop had literally logged this cop that shot this man for marijuana while he was going the other direction uh, was had literally logged something like between 90 and like 100 hours a week for like the several previous weeks over this deal. This is all stuff that was going to come out because this man's family who got shot sued the uh, Ware Police Department. The Ware Police Department paid out an undisclosed did amount. They really? Yes, they did. It was settled out of court. because it's legal to shoot a fleeing felon. Well, a cop can get away with it, but the civil case is a little different. Just like huh. OJ did not go to jail for killing that woman, but he was found responsibly in I a see. civil suit. So, but what the town aware and the the parasites do not want getting out is the fact that these cops. I mean, what good judgment are you going to have after working several weeks in a row, a hundred hours a week? That doesn't sound like that's a recipe for good judgment. And you're carrying a gun, and you're trigger happy, and and and, and this guy has just been a dirtbag. Like, right along. And the last payment of this $5,000 is because the Ware Town Clerk's office is still holding two documents in his file about his bad conduct as a cop and something to do with the Lori's list. And that's what the $5,000 last settlement was over. And, yes, the police union is very involved in making sure that uh, these cops get it are able to extract every single penny they can out of the tax slaves, and he's collecting a pension. There are plenty of towns in New Hampshire that just don't have police departments, and this is, you know, best I can tell, the the number one expense for a town is a uh, school. The number two Mm. is their police department. I mean, they want the police department because they're told all this revenue is going to come in from tickets and all this other great stuff. And yeah, but it doesn't work that way in New Hampshire. No, so they couldn't be told that because you don't get revenue. Right, but that happens. Are writing tickets? Right. They uh, not in New Hampshire. In some states, you do. Right, but that's what they they want is they want these uh, the revenue that's coming in, and it turns out the police departments are net negative, not net positive. You know, you have to have a crime spree. For it to matter. Jay, 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 God bless you for being here and keeping such a close, uh, detailed eye on that situation. And the way, you know, the thing, the reason why this incident even happened with Carla in the first place was because Ware already has such a strong Liberty community. I think they were having a, like, a, a, you know, Liberty related meetings in Ware or something like that. She must have gone to one of those or whatnot. There was some kind of controversy that had already happened before she even got arrested 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, it's, you know it's just, it, it, w- these things are happening, and we know they're happening because we're here. Yeah, the freeware meeting, which is every Thursday uh, at a place called General's Tavern, right in the middle of where there. Um, and that's exactly where everybody was leaving home from. And my roommate, who's been living at my place 
for like seven or eight years or ten years or something said that he was uh, uh, just just pulling out of the parking lot and he um, got the uh, a cell four one one alert or something back. Not it was a cell four one one I think or something. There was and, a cell nine one one at one point too. Or a, no, there was a uh, pork nine one one at one point. Or you're thinking of pork four one one, but pork it's really material. I think is what I'm talking about. Anyways, uh, anyways, he got some alert of alert some sort, and he when he showed up there, there was already, you know, a handful of free staters are already there, and we're all, you know, you know, videotaping what was going on with Carla, and just to back up what Dave said. Dave, thanks for the call. Right, and, and of course the reason for that is because of people who have uh, moved to New Hampshire, people who uh, believe in freedom, like the three of us. Yes, um, yeah. none of us are from here originally. And Dave Ridley also, uh, one of the earliest movers, the guy who was just on the phone with us, uh, he has a channel at Ridley, RidleyReport.com and has been doing a lot of reporting for many years here on a, on some, just a fraction of the things that go on here. So I, I appreciate Dave continuing to cover because he keeps coming back to some of these old stories and, and keeps you know updating on what's been going on with them. Right. So Carla Garrick uh, was one of uh, just a handful of cases at that time frame about filming police. And today we live in a world where you can film police, but just 10 years ago... It was really up in the air. Um, it was a, it was a very big deal. And, and her case went to federal court and helped establish that. Yeah, it did. And uh, now there's uh, fines that can be levied against police departments that have officers that attempt to stop that. You can give us a call at 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREE. Or go to discord.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. It's the live Wednesday edition. Mark with you. Jay. And Ian. And we've got this story here about OSHA fining the United States Post Office in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And I want to uh, get back to that here uh, real quick. But I want to tell you about clips.freetalklive.com. clips.freetalklive.com is a um, you can go there it's a YouTube uh, site where you can find some cool clips of uh, things we've talked about here on the air much more consumable than say a whole 2 hour radio program very shareable uh, please go there subscribe to the channel like the channel uh, share the, the the videos. Anything you can do to get this up and running is something that we can, uh, you know, it just helps us spread the ideas of liberty farther and wider. We have a uh, guy who's working on it as his uh, form of activism, and we'd love to be able to help him do that. Is this the same guy who's been work doing this for years? He yes. has. Uh, I mean, he came back. Yeah, he came back. He we, took, okay. we convinced him. He took about half a decade off there. Yeah. Clips.freetalklive.com. So... Going back here to Jacksonville, where I hear it gets warm in August, and OSHA has uh, fined uh, the United States Post Office in, in Jacksonville, near Jacksonville, for, well, sending out its mail carriers in hot August weather. And some of the customers there, it's just, it's just awful. Wasn't I, it hot in Miami, too? 
Yeah, I at don't, the same time, it's very well. You know how these things work. First, they uh-huh. go after a few isolated places, and then uh, you know they get they get some momentum going, and then they change policy, and then they can go after the free market, uh, go after the the lawn care businesses and uh, the United States Postal Service, and by God, anybody who's out there in the yeah, warm the, weather. The uh, the Postal Service has the money. But you're, you know, the average lawn care service is probably going to go under if you put a hundred thousand dollar fine on them. Yeah, I don't know if OSHA's looking for the fine money or not. I guess they probably are, but they're also looking for the. Uh, of course, uh, they are. It goes to the, OSHA. The case. The, the fine uh, money goes to OSHA. Sure. The, the individuals who work for OSHA are just the, the psychopath who want to ru- rule people. So I, I don't think they really care. I kind of hope that this is like some dude within OSHA that's just like, man, I hate government. Maybe he read Ben Stone's book there uh, and decided to, uh, you know, try to stir up just a government within itself. What's the name of the book? Uh, Sedition, Subversion, and Simple Sabotage, uh, a three-part manual. It's in the to, bathroom upstairs. Yeah, I know, to I'm dismantling the state. I, I might might have said the uh, actual title a little out of order, but uh, Some- badquaker.com, you can download it uh, or read it for free or whatever. OSHA's website says it cited the United States Postal Service for violating the agency's same rule five times since 2014 at post offices around the country. Did the post office not challenge it the other several times it had been done? Apparently not. The USPS spokesman said that she can't answer any of Action News Jacksonville's questions about the citation because the Postal Service is contesting the fine. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's the uh, that's the story out of actionnewsjacks.com. So it doesn't say it's over like not having air conditioning and in vans or if it's the postal carriers out walking in the hot sun i imagine it's all of those things uh honestly i mean do postal carriers actually still walk mail around in florida i it's not something i saw until i moved to new hampshire it would depend on how dense the area Mm -hmm. is um, so in like downtown sarasota they would have walked it you think they would had to have yeah i mean you'd have to have a go into businesses you go into a big building and you got to walk around and put the the mail in uh, different places and things like that i imagine there's not as much as there is sort of in these um you know there's the dense housing areas where you're going from house to house to house and post uh, postal workers yeah. tend to walk that because you have to be able to walk from the post office to the area that uh, you're going to be delivering mail then walk around the area then walk back to the post office well no what they do here is they'll park the truck and then walk around a neighborhood yeah so then they stack up the mail in some kind of bag that they just yeah, uh, wander like around bag. with yeah yep. that makes some sense there you go well um i, I i'm surprised that this is going on, and that's why I brought the story in. I'm just stunned that OSHA would be going after the post office for its employees having to be out in too hot a weather in Florida. I mean, what else are you expecting in Florida in August? It's hot. You, you didn't want to be hot. You didn't want to sweat. Don't take the job. It's not like the post office has uh, really heavy uniforms or anything. They have light button-up shirts sure. and a pair of shorts that I think they wear with a belt, and then they have uh, they wear have to wear black tennis shoes. Not like that's a surprise. There's those, lots of black tennis shoes out there. Those blue shirts probably do absorb the heat, though. It would be a no, little better. No, they've got like, very thin ones. These are. Well, I mean, light. the color. You like when you wear those dark colors. Oh, it's pretty. It's it's kind of a lighty. Could gray. it really make that much of a difference in the Florida sun? Whether you're wearing a, a blue shirt or a white shirt, is it really going to make that much of a difference? I don't know. I mean, they've got a they've got a safari hat that they put on these people too. Uh-huh. When you're stacking hay in New England in the summer, it makes a difference. Does it? Yeah, I okay. think so. Well, usually because it's soaked with sweat when you're doing it, so yeah. it's transferring that heat pretty good to you. White shirts are definitely better.
<laughs> to me, I'd rather wear uh, – when I wear a work shirt, what I do is I take one of my old dress shirts, the thin type, and – I wear that outside. I'd rather have a long sleeve shirt with a collar that I can flip up that's going to cover my neck, cover my uh, forearms and these kind of things because I don't want to wear sunscreen. Hmm. And uh, it's the best thing to protect you from the sun that you can get out there. And Aren't they saying sunscreen's bad for you now? I don't know. I could have sworn I heard that. You it's know probably lots for- of bad chemicals in it. Yes. You know how they keep changing like what's good for you and what's bad for you? First, well, I know, you got to wear sunscreen or you're going to get skin cancer. Now it's like sunscreen's bad for some reason. I'm sorry, I don't have it in front yeah, of but me. But they're not going to say that skin cancer is good for you, I can assure you. Um, you know, I mean, you gotta you got to cover up some manner or another. So, for sure. And now swim shirts and that sort of thing are coming back for uh, pe- people who are going in the water. I saw a kid in Mexico that was wearing a one-piece swimsuit that was covering him uh, from the wrists down to, like, his knees – in one piece. I mean, it sounds it seems very it seems much economical. Well, that's fine, but it's the old school swimsuits that you'd see right. on the uh, the the guys with the handlebar mustaches when they go to the swimming hole. The ones that men fought to get rid of at one point. Sure. Yeah. You know, then they wanted to be able to get down to their speedos and now you can see on the same beach a person in a in a one piece uh, and a person in a speedo. It's it's a crazy world in which we live. That's for sure. So, um, yeah, that's the story as it stands there from Jacksonville. I would be very interested to see whether, when the post office disputes this, how it goes, because I don't know if they never find out. Yeah, I don't know how uh, they disputed it previously, but you know, the the post office has been losing money hand over fist. What's their uh, What's their most recent loss, Ian? I think you had that up. Um, yep, I did have it up one point five billion dollars, and that's just in quarter one. So the numbers, of course, were terrible in 2018, and now quarter one, Postal Service's ongoing financial losses. This is from FedSmith.com for the informed Fed, is <laughs> what they say here. Uh, so it's approximately 178% higher of a loss than in the same quarter last year when it only, only lost $540 million. Now, I thought they were supposed to be getting Amazon contracts that was, did, were going to yeah. allow them to make more money. It looks like they're making less. Yeah, they've uh, they've managed to continue to screw things up. Uh, the article does say on the bright side, the total revenue was $19.7 billion, which is up 2.9% over the same quarter from last year. So, of course, you'd have to ask yourself, if revenue's up, how is it that they lost even more money this time around? Clearly, and, costs are up, too. And their costs are up, uh, namely increases in compensation and benefits of $657 million due to additional hours and contractual wage adjustments, as well as transportation costs of $207 million due to higher fuel costs and highway contract rate inflation. Yeah, a lot of uh, the, the the postal carriers these days, I mean, are contractors. You'll see, I mean, one just came to my door today. And was delivering packages from Amazon. This was it was it wasn't in a post office van. He was in his own vehicle, by the looks of it, or a vehicle that had a like a magnet on the side. <laughs> and you know these these people are not getting compensated the way that we imagined. You know the pensions and all that other stuff. Now maybe they have to hire a certain amount of them if they they last a, a certain length of time. I don't know what the rules are uh, in the in the post office, but. I know that they have uh, a really nice benefits package. Uh, you know, I mean, my uh, wife's grandfather retired from the post office, and yeah, he uh, he he got Social Security longer than he worked. Well, I could tell you, uh, two Sundays ago, I got delivery 
from the post office to my house. And I live out pretty much in the middle of nowhere right now. And they were delivering all Saturday and Sunday when I was in, living in Manchester. And I talked to him out there. And I, and I asked a guy this uh, past, two, two Sundays ago. I said, so you just got Amazon? Oh, we only deliver Amazon on Sundays, he tells me. I see. So, and this is, uh, you know, I heard something about Trump saying uh, the post office was subsidizing Amazon. And he says, well, I do enjoy the Sunday paycheck, is what he mm-hmm. had to say to me. I see. So, there you go. Well, um, I, I think that the post office should cut down its delivery days. I don't see any reason why America has to get mail service on every single day. Make one side of the street Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the other t- Tuesday, Thursday, that's Saturday. It's only going to slow the hemorrhaging. That's all that's going to do. Well, that's, that's the idea. Everything's in a state of collapse. Free Talk Live. She's such a beautiful little puppy. I mean, we walk around the block and neighbors always say, her hair is so beautiful. Healthy and shiny and glossy. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Fatty acids, omega-3s and omega-6s are great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. I would really recommend people starting their puppies on Dynavite before they get into what I would call the misery index. Bad skin, bad ears, bad breath. Because if they're getting all their vitamins, micronutrients, microbials from the beginning, then you're not going to run into the problems associated with the allergies, grass, pollen, dust dirt, fleas, ticks, you name it, and the itching and shedding down the road. Our vitamins and enzymes replace the nutrients cooked out of most commercial dog foods. Dynavite for life. This is Ed Lukasevic. And Cindy Lukasevic. Inviting you and your pets to Dynavite. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Free Talk Live. That's right, it is Free Talk Live, kicking off the second hour. It's Mark with you. Jay. And Ian. You're welcome to call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. Let me tell you about the Discord lines. You can go to discord.freetalklive.com. Got an app there called Discord, and you can use that to call into Free Talk Live uh, through your smartphone, and it just sounds significantly better. Yeah, takes a little extra prep time, but once it's installed, you can call real quickly and easily discord.freetalklive.com. Ian, I'm not sure what I'm reading here, but apparently there's something called a predatory llama loot box. Well, there are llama loot boxes, and they're being called predatory in a lawsuit that has been filed against Epic Games. I mentioned this story last night. So this is something that goes on in a video game. It's like a box that comes after people. It's predatory? No. Um, no, it's a llama loot box. It's being called predatory in a lawsuit, Mark. Yeah, you've not okay. heard of a loot box before? Don't you have a son who's like 10 years old? Sure, a loot box is a treasure te- chest. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Dungeons & Dragons uh, monster called a mimic? No, I never played oh, Dungeons & Dragons. Oh my god, haven't you heard I of uh, Dungeons & Dragons? Wasn't as dorky as you growing up, I oh, guess. Now now I'm the dorky one, and you were just <laughs> trying to take the high road by saying, didn't you know what a loot box was? Well, there's some. I'd like to tell you, whippersnapper, uh, that uh, in fact there is a predatory monster that looks like a treasure chest in Dungeons oh, and really? Dragons. So you open the chest and it like eats Chomps you? Chomps you. Mm-hmm. I'm not aware of any of this stuff. So um, You are aware that Ian is a jerk, right? You're just well, projecting. Well, uh, I, I, you, you two guys are like an old married couple sometimes. 
Uh, that's the only complaint I ever heard about uh, Free Talk Live is people like sexless and angry. No, they're like they're like they're like I don't like it when Ian and Mark fight. Uh, th- uh, that really upsets me. Wow, they need therapy then. Um, we could talk about North Korea and uh, Venezuela, but let's talk about video game controversy here. The Verge.com reporting where Epic Games was sued uh, just, I guess, within the last week or so. Sued by the parent of an underage player in California who are claiming that Fortnite Save the World's original blind draw loot box mechanics were unfair and deceptive to consumers. To be clear, Epic has already ended the practice of blind draw loot boxes, and they only ever existed in Fortnite's original Save the World co-op mode, not the popular Fortnite Battle Royale mode that rocketed the game to fame. So, for listeners who aren't familiar, you may have seen these. Uh, you may have seen Fortnite in like stores, Walmart, or whatever. They have got displays. This game has become a sensation. I mean, oh it yeah, has become it's got a, dances, a phenomenon that are like you know Fortnite dances. Yeah, I guess those are the things your character does when they're celebrating in the game, right? as I understand it. But, I mean, now kids are doing them. They're mimicking them. Is that right? By the way, I'll take anything that gets kids to dance. Dancing is right. a... Uh, get them out of their chair. Yeah. Phys- a physical activity. Anything that gets them up, I'm d- I'm for it. Does Does Jack and his buddies do the uh, Fortnite dances? Jack has never played Fortnite, no. Is that like an adult game? No, not really. I mean, it's you're shooting people, but, you know... Kids play that stuff all the time. Sure. Yeah, Jack yeah. just hasn't played. He plays... He's uh, more of like a Minecraft Minecraft kid, right? kid, yeah. But that's also violent. Aren't you like slashing beasties in Minecraft? Mostly he builds. Okay. He there the, are beasts to slash, right? There there are. If you wanted to slash them, he gotcha. doesn't want to do that. Uh, he, uh, he builds big castles. So, uh, according to the story, the plaintiff is arguing that they and hundreds of thousands of other players were tricked out of their money by Epic's business practices. In the complaint, the plaintiff argues the chances of a llama loot box dropping a rare item are slim. They claim that by not disclosing the rates at which the in-game items drop, Epic Games are deceiving consumers. And the company is engaging in, quote, predatory business practices that convince young players that they will, quote, get lucky and receive more valuable pieces of loot. So, um, I, first off, I would say that if you did reveal the amounts, uh, the, the percentages, the ratios uh, at which uh, things drop, that you'd still, that people would still not know the ratios because people don't even understand math. <laughs> right. You know, they just don't get statistics. Yeah. Uh, human beings are really bad predictors of things. That's why we have the lottery. Well, plus, people who understand math are probably not, the few of them that there are out there uh, are probably not the target audience of the loot box pitch. No, in general, because you would understand that whether you knew the rates exactly of how often a rare item appears in one of these digital prize boxes, you would know it's very, very low. Whatever it is, whatever it's significantly more often than somebody uh, than than uh, you're so likely is, to win the lottery. Yeah, this is a game, so like. The game, the last game I probably played was in like 1987, and it was Zelda on a Nintendo. Now, this was a good game to end on, I and, guess. And, yeah, uh, yeah, you I won. had lots of fun with it, <laughs> and you know, I only played it like when it was really terrible weather or something. But sure. Uh, so, like a loot box would be like you go and get like a golden key, or you get like maybe a sword, or like a. And in Mario Brothers, you get like a mushroom that would make you, you know, jump 
further and stuff. I mean, yeah, is that so like what a loot box is? That I mean, you could look at that as maybe a very early implementation. Those are, those are just power-ups, basically. Now, the loot oh, okay. box will contain things that can uh, potentially be a power-up. Potentially power up. have a power-up factor. It could also, you know, have like in-game currency. It could have, you know, it could just have like an outfit. So nowadays, the the gamers they have their character that they can build, and I don't know if Fortnite has this. I think you can choose character things in Fortnite. It, it, I played it once just to see what all the fuss was about. Um, but uh, in a lot of these games, you can kind of customize your avatar, the person who you are in the game. And do you, you have know. to like pay for all this stuff? So yes and no. Uh, so these customizable things, you can like wear different clothes. You can have different, you know glitzy things that you add to your character and so in these loot boxes can come some of these things now the loot box you can pay for typically in games that have them or you can kind of play the game to earn the loot box meaning that if you play the game for enough time or you get enough of a high score you'll get a draw from the loot box you'll get a free loot box every once in a while and of course, getting one loot box is likely to make somebody want another loot box, especially yep. a, you know a child who wants to get some fancy thing that they haven't gotten yet in the game through earning it through playing the game. The loot box is kind of the shortcut route to possibly get those things, but not necessarily because it's just a random you know thing. Have you ever played uh, Magic: The Gathering? One of these collectible card games. I have never played it? it, but I've uh, you're I, familiar with it. I'm familiar that it exists. With it, yeah. um, so this game has been around for close to 30 years now i think at yeah this i'd point. say that's pretty clear because yeah. i remember it came out when i was still in high school and that was in the 1990s and so they've had various iterations of it but it always has the same uh structure you can buy the starter deck which comes with like 60 cards and that's usually enough to to play a game and you can play with other people but then they have these booster packs yeah and the booster packs are a certain random assortment of cards some of which are pretty common there's usually like one or two uncommons in there, and maybe you'll get a rare, right? You won't necessarily get a rare, but you might get a rare, that kind of thing. And these things are always just a crapshoot. Like, you have no idea what the odds are. That's why I don't think this this lawsuit, and there's a little bit more to the story, is going to go anywhere. Because this is no different. This online loot box is no different than an endless amount of similar things that exist in physical reality. How about... Um, baseball baseball cards. cards, yeah, right. Well, I, I don't think baseball cards have necessarily the built-in scarcity, or didn't when I was a kid. You just had a randomization. So you don't um, think, huh? It, well, I don't know, but uh, I could Didn't be wrong. Did you ever notice how you kept getting the same cards over and over oh, yeah. again? I bought a lot. I was really into trading baseball cards when I was like second and third grade. That was like a huge thing. In fact, I even got uh, suspended from school over it, and uh, that was like. Stuff we were, I was really into as a right. kid. So there was players that were common. Oh, yeah. Right? That you, yep. no matter how many packs you bought, you're going to get a bunch of whoever it was, Bo Jackson or whoever it would have been you know, at the time. And then there were the ones that weren't that common, which is why they were worth more money, because there weren't as many of them that were printed. So I think they've been doing this for a very long time. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't use baseball cards as the analogy, but Magic the Gathering is certainly an analogy. That is built-in artificial scarcity that the manufacturer created. Well, you're just saying don't use baseball cards because you don't know whether they were uh, manufactured to be scarce and i'm telling you even as somebody who wasn't a baseball card fan that they were that's what you believe he's the guy who was the fan dude Listen i had I, I bought them too i had baseball did you get the same cards over and over again and never get the you know babe ruth or whatever it was the one no. that well, you ba- really wanted babe ruth didn't play baseball when i was whatever uh, you know what i'm reggie saying reggie jackson i had several of his cards and he was a huge player mm-hmm. 
So, uh, I mean, he had, a, he had a candy bar named after him. No, I'm not sure that that's the case. I'm not ready to say that. But I will say that, um, you know, some cards are harder to get than others sometimes. But I don't know that the... Because the there base- aren't as many printed. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It's the live Wednesday edition of the show. It's Mark with you. Jay. Ian. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. Ian, we're talking about um, llama loot boxes, which is, uh, I guess, from a video game called Fortnite. That's right. Yeah. And uh, a parent is suing the the game manufacturer because they feel like their kid didn't understand the mathematics behind a loot box. And I do want to get into that, but I, first I want you to tell me about AnyPay. Yeah, I'm super excited about the new AnyPay, uh, helpmetakebitcoin.com. Finally, there is an easy-to-use website that can introduce a business owner to the process they need to go through, and it's a super easy process getting started with AnyPay.global. But go to helpmetakebitcoin.com or send your favorite business owner to helpmetakebitcoin.com, and they will walk him or her right through the process. You sign up for AnyPay.global. Username and password, put your cryptocurrency addresses in the back end, and then you load the app, which is now available on iOS. So it took a little while to get the iOS version out because that's the way Apple is. They have to approve everything. Um, so Android and iOS apps are available now. It's super easy to accept Bitcoin, Dash, Bitcoin Cash, Zcash, and a few others as well. And they're always expanding the uh, the repertoire of different cryptocurrencies that they'll allow you to accept. But get started over at HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com. So um, you and I were talking in the break about things uh, like baseball cards and comics and how they've uh, uh, the scarcity of these things have, has changed over time. So I worked at a comic book store uh, basically... When you were 12, right? Well, from the time I was 12 to the time I was 18. Mm-hmm. But basically, the decade of the 80s, uh, I was working at a comic book store. And this was, the, this was the, the, the modern age of comics. Everybody was excited about them. They were buying, yeah, and a new issue would come out, a, first, a number one issue would come out, and people would buy sometimes 10 copies and just to put them away so they'd, be, uh, they'd have them and they'd be worth something. And this just kept happening. That's what was my... Every year... For like Christmas, my birthday, my grandmother would buy me like a some special edition stack of whatever baseball cards. I have like tops, like nineteen eighty nine mint set, still in the plastic with the original nineteen dollars sticker on it. That's mm-hmm. only worth seven dollars and eighty five cents today. <laughs> I literally just opened up the box like two weeks ago. My wife's like googling how much is worth. You could buy the thing on. Same exact thing on eBay for $7.85 plus shipping. Yeah. <laughs> and then factor in inflation and it's worth even less now. Yeah, yeah. And, but people were looking at these as investments yeah. at the time because, uh, you know, there, there were things like rare Captain America number one, Superman number one, Detective Comics number 27, uh, Action Comics. Uh, yeah, Action Comics number one was the first appearance, I believe, of Superman. Uh, you know, um, I can't uh, name any of, anything off the top of my head uh, mm-hmm. from way back then uh, any further than that. But, yeah, I mean, these comics are actually scarce. So they were uh, cheap pulp printed comics they deteriorated they were uh, used as fire kindling they were you know they're just they're gone they're, they're they no longer exist there's a few a handful of them left and they're legitimately worth what they say they're worth and then there's something like 
uh, Secret Wars number one from, I don't know, like 1984 or something like that. There was, you know, hundreds of thousands of this thing printed. And maybe it's worth more than the cover price now. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you, but it got to the point that manufacturers realized, huh, we put on a number one issue and we're, uh, we're going to make a bunch of money. So they were actually stopping series, Fantastic Four, Avengers, these kinds of things. They were stopping these series and restarting them with issue number one mm. because Avengers 337 isn't worth as much as number one as number one. So they just keep on restarting sort of every couple few years and they'd make some more money. They'd have three different variants of the cover. Uh, you Collect know, them all. Yeah. Get all different uh, variants. And now they're just selling more and more and more. And comic books and baseball cards are made of paper. It's not scarce. Gold scarce you got to dig that up out of the ground in mm-hmm. special places on earth you have to have all kinds of equipment to do it whereas a, man, uh, a comic book manufacturer not such a big deal this is what had marvel on the ropes this is why marvel sold the rights to the fantastic four and x-men to movie companies now really? they still own them for comics but for oh, movies okay. the movie companies own them there's a reason sony has wolverine and marvel now is trying so hard to get Wolverine and and the X-Men back into the fold. There's a deal on now with Sony uh, to bring X-Men back in. Marvel's- so wait, they, I, I've never followed all this. Yep. Um, I know these movies exist, so you're saying the X-Men movies... Marvel's not making anything on them. They basically sold off the property to Sony years ago. I thought Fox made these movies. No, I, I look. I'm not a, a somebody streaming at their radio right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know which movie company has it, but it's not okay. Marvel. Uh, Marvel has right. the Avengers and. That's about it. They're working with uh, maybe it's Sony for Spider Man and maybe it's Fox for uh, the the uh, the X Men. I'm sorry if I don't know the difference. Mm. I don't care about those characters very much. I'm an Avengers guy, but uh, okay. <laughs> um, I think Mar- they don't cross over the X Men and the Avengers. Not yet. Uh, okay. the, the movies haven't. Of course, a lot of the other movies cross over and they they're related, right? Like Thor and the Marvel films. movies all cross over because they're all their properties, right? Except for at the this X-Men. point. Spider-Man has crossed over because they've made a deal with uh, the company that has it. I think it's Sony. I see. Um, and, but they haven't managed to work out, finalize their deal with the X-Men, which there will be a crossover at that point or something. Because I think Marvel's bought the company or um, you know something like that. I couldn't tell you. I'm not in on this and I didn't have a chance to study it. So I, I, I know there's, a, there's, a, there's great explanations on the internet of who owns what and, and whom. Internet, according to CheatCheat.com, this story from 2017. So hopefully it's not too out of date. Uh, it says here that D- DC Warner owns all the rights to every one of its various comic book characters. Marvels are divided among a slew of other studios. Back when the idea of a superhero franchise was unheard of, Marvel sold off a handful of characters to make a quick buck. Spider-Man went to Sony. Universal snagged Namor. That's uh yeah, that's uh Submariner. He's uh the oh. he's Marvel's version of the Aquaman and he was first before Aquaman. And 20th Century Fox made out with Fantastic Four, Daredevil, and the X-Men. Daredevil has since reverted back to its original owners at Marvel Studios, but the X-Men and Fantastic Four remain firmly in the hands of Fox. That is correct. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm curious as to who has Blade at this point. So Blade was a very successful movie franchise. New Line was the production house behind Blade, if I recall correctly. I don't know if that means they own it, but... I don't either. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Marvel hasn't expressed too much of an interest in uh, revitalizing Blade, but man, Wesley Snipes did a fantastic job on that uh, that, that franchise. Have you seen all three of them? I saw two. 
Uh, the first two. Watch the third one. It's actually really good. Is that Trinity? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, if you if you say it's worth it, yep. then I shall. I actually have it at the house right now, so perhaps uh, perhaps I will do just that. So um, when we're talking about these, we were talking about collectibles and, and those sorts of things. Scarcity was artificial in this arena, and basically now I can read any comic I want. I can go get Marvel Unlimited for sixty dollars a year, and that's the un- what, is that an online version or something? Yes. Yeah, but get- who wants to do that? What do you mean? Are you into that? Listen to me. Listen to me. There's people that are like who wants to have paper and you're hanging around. Sixty dollars a year yeah. to to read this on my iPad. Versus, um, a, you know, cover price of a dollar seventy five, dollar fifty, dollar twenty five. Got to be more than that by now. Well, for a I'm, comic book, it's probably three to five bucks for a comic. No, book. No, I don't I think, think it's that much. Uh, it, it, really? I mean, certainly some of them are, but not the the, the regular monthly issues. Oh, I really? Think there were that. But how long has it been since you bought a physical comic book? A couple, few years. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. It, it just doesn't make financial sense. I can go read any comic I want for $60 a month, as many as I want. It doesn't make any sense. Free Talk Live. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. Pick up two bottles of Super Mega Fish Oil. Get the third bottle free. Packed with omega-3, DHA, and EPA fatty acids. Super Mega is great for your dog's immune system, healthy skin, and soft, shiny fur. Dogs love it. Try Super Omega Fish Oil. Buy two. Get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Free Talk Live. It's the live Wednesday edition. Mark with you. Jay. Ian. You can call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. Be happy to hear from you. The number is 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREEZINFREEDOM. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by Bitcoin.com. Bitcoin.com is your source for all things crypto. If you're not familiar with this stuff, even if you are familiar with uh, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin.com is a one-stop shop. They've got everything you need. You go there, you can get a wallet, uh, meaning the, the application for in which to create a Bitcoin account. You can get some. Uh, you can use their faucet to get some Bitcoin cash to put in the wallet. You can use Save at Purse.com. And you can spend the stuff you get. You can buy Bitcoin at Bitcoin.com. Whatever you need to do, it's uh, Bitcoin.com. And I just mentioned save at purse.com, by the way. Uh, Bitcoin.com would love you to go there and uh, spend your your hard-earned Bitcoin. And you'll have savings of between 25 and 30%. Learn more. And by the way, you can see all the the, the newest uh, news there at news.bitcoin.com. You can learn more at Bitcoin.com. Dot com. Let's I go. just got uh, at saveitpurse.com. I got a remote starter for my car. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Who installed it? Nobody. You just uh, The remote start was already there. I mean, the, the actual like fob, the, the key fob? fob thing. Okay. I lost one a couple of years ago, and so finally got the replacement for it. And it was like 20 bucks brand new, but I knocked 20 or 30% off. Yeah, I've thought about getting one of those. Yeah. I'd probably push the button and then forget that I started the car and shut itself Wait, off. Oh, so you don't have that feature in your fancy new car? A remote start? No, 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 no remote start. I'm surprised. Start. But it's super easy to install in that fancy new car. I bet it is. Is that so? Super easy. I'll tell you about it in a break. All right. Excellent. Let's go to Sarah calling in from New Mexico. We'll get back to these llama loot boxes here in just a second. Well, here. I'm glad Sarah called in because I've been wondering, Sarah, what is your favorite comic book franchise? Sarah, do you have a favorite comic book franchise? 
any of the comic books, you know? I just, I never had any interest in it because um, I'm too busy uh, passing out the who's who's political directory. I you, passed you out never had you, you never had, a like, a Wonder Woman comic when you were a little girl? So I used to read some comic when I was younger, but I, I've, I've never been, like, too much of a reader. Reading has mm. never been, like, my thing. So I never was really into that. Okay. You know? Because that's how you absorb so new that, information and learn things in a lot of ways is reading. So that's a shame. That's too yeah, bad. What about the uh, these directories you're handing out? I mean, don't, you, don't people have to read uh, those things? Oh, yeah, I, mean, I mean, yeah. But, uh, it's very interesting because uh, it has uh, all of our contacts uh, to our representatives and, um, and senators uh, in uh, Santa Fe. And they're in session right now. So, I mean, you do have to read it. Um, and so, but we could contact them. And so I've been, we got two more weeks of session. So I've been telling them to uh, push the, the cigarette, uh, you know, pushed it to uh, 21 years or older. I've been excited about that. So you're handing out these directories and handing them to people with the admonition that they call their representatives and uh, demand that uh, that uh, people who are not between the ages of or between the ages of 18 and uh, 21 be disallowed from buying cigarettes. Well, my, the thing is, I talked to them first. I, I would approach them. Did you know that they want to increase the smoking age to 21? And if they say, "Well, that's wonderful," and then they would say, "Well, did you know that you could?" All the phone numbers and uh, email addresses are printed in this booklet put on by the League of Women Voters. So, so you keep so the booklet I, to yourself if they if they say something else like, uh, oh, those darn politicians meddling in my life. Well, yeah. Wouldn't well, you? Well, no, I, I don't push it. I just walk away. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> and then I just go to the next one, you know? Well, that's but your I, agenda. You know, that's I'm, the way to do it, Sarah. Yeah, I, I hear there's money to be made as uh, petitioners. Why wouldn't you uh, go go do some of that? I mean, surely uh, all the good folks at the uh, the Democratic Party and and so somewhere in New Mexico there they 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 want to have people doing petitions, right? Well, this is this is not about money. Uh, this is just for free. It's volunteer. Just, I'm just having uh, these capitalists are just laying around, sitting at the library. And I actually, I walked by it. I looked at it for ten years, and I and I had no idea what was in it. So, so and, here, um, it was. So you should. Uh, you're doing this. You're doing this work, Sarah. You should make some money. And here's how they do it in Massachusetts. And I've never participated, but I've been hurt. I've been told that you go work for a political party doing their stuff, and uh, this will work really good for you if it's done the same way because they won't like mess with your disability. But they actually give you like a prepaid like. Uh, Visa gift card or something uh, to like do this work, and you're paid like I don't know, fifteen or twelve bucks an hour or something. And you, but nobody really keeps track of your hours. You just kind of tell them, and then they give you a gift card to go out when you go to in payment to go out and like um, pedal some ideas or knock on doors or hand out pamphlets. So you should look into taking advantage of that. I'm yeah, sure you're doing it for they free got money now. For it. Yeah, well, the thing is, I'm not interested in making money. That's not my goal. My goal is to get that the cigarette to age increase to 21. Well, once that That's happens, how do you I, benefit? How, how do I benefit? That's, yeah. Let's say I'm, I'm thinking maybe 3,000 kids will get addicted, um, you know, if they left it alone. If they could start smoking at 18, that's but, more secondhand smoke. Wait a second. They um, Right now... Most people who smoke got addicted before the age of 18, which is the legal age to get 
uh, to to buy cigarettes. So apparently the law isn't working already. Why do you think it's going to make a difference? Well, to me, it will make a difference because it's a societal attitude. Everybody will know. But if the societal attitude is not to smoke, then... Um, what difference, like, you know, already the societal attitude is don't smoke. I I mean, it's not the same as it was when I was 16 years old in high school where uh, people actually thought people who smoked were cool. They do not think that any longer. So what you're saying is is that people change their minds through other reasons besides the government raising the age? Right. It's not the the law that makes a difference. It's, uh, It's the societal attitude. I used to ask people who smoked all the time, when did you start smoking? It was just always something I 13, asked. 13, 12. Yeah. I have never, ever, ever had anyone answer, well, my 18th birthday. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was able to buy cigarettes my and My dad porn. got me a pack of cigarettes for my 18th birthday. Right. That just doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, all my buddies that smoked cigarettes uh, back in high school or smoked cigarettes today that I knew back in high school were all smoking cigarettes in high school. Yep. I knew one guy who uh, went into the, he was a non-smoker who went into the Navy. And because the Navy gave smoke breaks, all of his buddies were always going on smoke breaks and he had to go to cover their work. So he mm. decided to start smoking too. And so he could go hang out with his buddies rather than having to work. But that's an issue of employer, sort of employer law, yeah. as opposed to uh, an issue of when somebody could buy cigarettes or not. To me, you guys, to me, you guys don't think it would make any difference. But to me, that it will make a difference. It's a guess. You know, it's only in your head. Uh, what what well, it's going to do is, harder. is it's going to? It's harder instead of an eighteen-year-old just walking in the door and buying a cigarette from Circle K. Now they have to wait twenty months. It makes it harder. now they have to wait until difficult. someone who's twenty-one or older walks by. And then they will ask them to help them buy some cigarettes. It's just going to create a black market for for the people who are under twenty one. Is all it's going to do. If they wanted, if they were getting cigarettes um, uh, at sixteen or fifteen, which they likely were, sure if they're were. smoking it. If they're smoking at eighteen, they were likely getting the cigarettes at sixteen or fifteen. They're just going to do it the same way that they'd always been doing it up to twenty one. They're going to get it the same way they get their beer, the same way they get their liquor. You don't imagine for a second that fewer people are drinking as a result of raising the drinking age from 19 to 21, do you, Sarah? That happened in your lifetime. And it's more... Yeah, but you, you do have to... I've been asked to, to buy a beer for somebody else because yeah. they don't have ID or whatever. I've been asked for that, but... Here's the thing. What'd you do? If you, if you make a, if you, I never did it, but the thing is, if you make it difficult, the more you uh, give uh, stumbling blocks and you make it harder, the less they will do it. Well, the, the less they'll smoke, perhaps. I mean, there'll they'll probably be fewer cigarettes consumed, but they'll want to get the cigarettes that they do consume that much more. You might very well be uh, be making the addiction worse by uh, making people want the cigarettes more because they can't get as many as they want. Anybody who wanted alcohol when I was in high school was able to get it. Yeah. Alcohol, um, it, well, I think it's harder to get alcohol than it is to get, like, marijuana in high school. At least it was for me. Thanks for the call, Sarah. Appreciate it. You know, I- 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live's live Wednesday edition. You can call in and talk about whatever's on your mind here on Free Talk Live. We're talking about uh, a lawsuit that's been filed surrounding uh, this game Fortnite. And uh, I guess bad mathematics amongst young people. It's Mark with you. Jay. And Ian. 
Ian, uh, go on with this uh, these llama loot boxes. Yeah, so Fortnite is, of course, for those that aren't familiar, an incredibly popular game that became so popular because, well, it was free. So, in fact, that's one of the allegations that they make here. In no, the- it wasn't. But all right. Wait, it wasn't? <laughs> there's nothing. There's no such thing as free. Sorry. There's nothing free on the internet. Sure there is. No, no it's just you gotta, like, as free as Facebook, right? Yeah, well. You've got to pay for the internet connection, but, I mean, the game's free to download. So there's going to be either, adver- there's free to download, but then there's either, it's either advertising supported or it's supported by. Uh, you being the product. These loot, well, in the case of the game, they, they don't collect as much information usually. I mean, they can get some of your information, but not too, too much. Um, but yeah, they, they, don't have they get, a lot of these games get a lot of their, get most of their revenue from in-game purchases. Sure. It's in- not free. Well, but you can play the game without doing the in-game purchases. You can. Is there a Fortnite app that I could put on my phone? I don't know. I doubt it. It is a 3D game, so you probably have to have a computer that has some level of uh, oomph to it, although phones are beefier now than they've well, ever been. I, I'm not a phone gamer, so I can't really speak to what ga- games The only thing I'm getting to is I know like uh, if you have like a Facebook app on your phone, and you're talking about how, oh, I need some new snow tires for my truck. Mm-hmm. And then the next time you open up Facebook and you scroll down, oh, snow There's tires from blah, blah, blah. Yep. You know, is is it's Fortnite doing a, serious, yeah. uh, a similar thing with monitoring what your, no, your I, action on your computer or something? I, no, I doubt that uh, very much. That is highly unlikely. But what they are trying to do is sell things inside the game. You're right about that, Mark. In fact, don't you play a jewel game, uh, one of those puzzle games I pay, constantly? I play Marvel Puzzle Quest. Right. It's yep. like the same game, but they put a Marvel skin on it, basically, that other people play. Yeah, right? there's a bit more than to it than that, but yeah. But there are several variants of kind of the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get into that game for free, right? You can, but uh, there are a lot of in-game purchases, and the payers make a, do a hell of a lot better than the players. Can you have fun without paying? I'm not. I, I, I'm the games these days. I'm not even sure they're designed around fun anymore. Games are about addiction. They're mm. about des- being designed being designed in such a way that you get this kind of uh, you know little dopamine yep. squirt. But and they want you to. They want to offer you all these in-game purchases to feed that addiction. Yes. To, oh, well, my character's not good enough. I need to upgrade my character so I can be more competitive with these other players. There's this constant keeping up with the Joneses, right? It's sort of the yeah. you know the digital equivalent of keeping up with your next-door neighbor's yard. You know, And so, again, I'm saying that is free because you can get into the game and you can play it for free. I downloaded Fortnite and I played it for a, probably an hour or two and I didn't buy a thing. And then I uninstalled. So, is it a massively online multiplayer video game? Is that one of these? Is that what it is? So, as I understand the history of the game, it was actually originally like a zombie survival game or something like that. And then they introduced this what they call the battle royale mode. And this is what made the game take off. Where essentially, everybody's familiar with the Hunger Games books and and movies, right? Yeah. This was a huge phenomenon. The idea was these characters are put into a place and they have to fight it out to the death, right? To the last man standing, basically, or right. the last two uh, are standing. They didn't fight each other, necessarily. In the Hunger Games? It, necessarily. In the yeah, Hunger they were. Games. That's I, all those movies were. I thought the, they were like about battling beasties or something. There might have been some beasts at some points, but I only seen the movies once. But God, the, the I, need whole, to, I need to see the, it again. The whole point of the movie was that they picked, in the Hunger Games... 
diverging here from the original point. The, in the Hunger Games, they had different districts that were under this sort of... Twelve of them. Yeah, they were under this dictatorial rule. And uh, they Three of the find, districts were the, the ringers, and the other nine districts were the underdogs. They would basically find two, male and a female, from each of the districts, and they threw them into a you know battle till the death, essentially, was what that was all about. Now, toward the end, it started to be that they would team up against the... Uh, the dictator or whatever toward okay. the end but in the very beginning that's what it was so this is kind of like the video game version of that except with a hundred players so you start with a hundred people they uh, there's an airplane that flies you into the map and everybody drops out of the airplane they parachute down into the map and then you're just sort of wherever you end up in the map basically you can kind of guide your your shoot down towards where you want to be and as soon as you hit the ground uh you know it's who, who they can can't shoot you out of the air. I think they actually can shoot you out of the air. Okay, but it's it's whoever can last the longest. And also, there's this uh, this circle, this sort of active circle that closes in on a random spot on the map. And so, huh. if you get caught outside of the circle, you die. So but you you know whether or not the you know circle is closing the, in, right? Yeah, right. So you know where it's going to be, and so you have to head in that direction. And so it forces all the players to kind of move toward the right. same instead spot. of getting up in a tree and hiding. Exactly. So yeah. it. it it stops people from doing what they call camping in these games and right. just to say hiding and waiting till everybody else dies. Um, so that's the game. And it just for whatever reason, you know, it's free. It's well made and people enjoyed it. Um, plus, it also has a building aspect to it. So I think the people that are into things like Minecraft kind of really like this game. And to me, that's what I didn't like about the game. because yeah. I'm not into that. Um, but you can also build platforms and things like that. So, you know, if there's like a cliff over in the distance, you can build a platform to get you up on the cliff. You don't have to look around to find out how you're supposed to get up there. So it kind of adds different things that you could do in that game that you couldn't do in a normal point and shoot kind of first person shooter. So what's this lawsuit about? I'm going to read you the introduction from the actual class action suit here. Point number one, because you know how they in lawsuits, they always have their points. Yes. Point one. Rising to the forefront in a multi-billion dollar video game industry, Epic, that's the game company, has perfected a predatory scheme whereby it exploits players, including minors, by inducing them to purchase in-game loot boxes in the pursuit of the best in-game schematics, heroes, and survivors, collectively loot. Two. As part of its scheme, Epic offers Fortnite Save the World at a lower price point than competitor video games to entice players to start playing the game, with the goal of luring those players to make in-game microtransactions that generate significant revenue for Epic. 3. Because Fortnite's Save the World's game progression is inextricably linked to loot progression, players are pushed to keep seeking better loot to progress in the game. 4. Of course, that's the keeping up with the Joneses thing, right? Sure. Four, accordingly, Epic. Well, everybody wants to play a game. They want to get, uh, you know, they want to be. They want it to be easier. They want to get. They want progression. Right, and I don't know if this game um, does the sort of what some games do with newer players is they only put newer players in a map with newer players. Makes sense. I don't know if this game does that, which would mean that the people who have the best loot. And the most experience are then fighting the people with the best loot and more, more experience. But I don't know if that's the case. Probably in this game. If you know more, you're welcome to call and share with us at 855-450-FREE. And I'm sure I, what, there's plenty of our listeners how, that know How way young more. was the person in this, uh, this situation? 
I'm not sure about that. Okay. All I could think of when they were talking about this predatory thing was how they're asking 17 and 18 year olds to take on $100,000 in debt to go to college. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about a scam? <laughs> Microtransactions, right. my foot. These are, you know, people that don't, don't have any acumen whatsoever have just left government school uh, being told that the only way they're going to make money is by getting a, uh, going to get a, a master's degree from some university someplace. So they can go teach in a government school and get on a government pension. Right. Ponzi scheme it to the max. Right. Whether they, be, they make a heck of a lot more money by spending $6,000 at the local vocational technical institution, getting a real skill and going out and getting a job um, rather than you know those that, uh, that run off and, and get underwater basket weaving degrees. Number four. Accordingly, Epic designed Fortnite Save the World to effectively limit a player's ability to progress within the game without spending money on loot boxes. 5. The scheme plays out perfectly to the benefit of Epic. Once players are sufficiently invested in the game, Epic induces players to purchase loot boxes in order to get better loot, which results in massive revenue to Epic. 6. Epic has made a fortune on in-game purchases, preying in large part on miners who are especially susceptible to such predatory tactics. So this lady gave her son a telephone and let him download whatever he wanted to on that telephone, and now it's Epic's fault that uh, he has uh, developed this little habit of pay, paying to play. Yeah, I don't know if it's a phone. I mean, it could have been just given him the credit card or whatever, or whatever you have oh, to so put it's in. Oh, so it's not a phone ga- game? Okay. That was the question Jay asked, and, I'm sorry and if I, I didn't I, have a good answer on that. Okay. But I, you, I, when you did it, you downloaded a reg- on the regular I mean, laptop. No, I don't play games on a laptop. I mean, you could do it on a laptop probably, but I needed to have a video card, like a graphic okay. card, in order to play this game. Sorry, I just missed that part. Um, that's not to say there isn't some version that I don't know I don't know about. But either way, even if it's on your phone, you still have to authorize purchases, right? Like you have to put a credit card in. You have to authorize the credit card. Either be way, used they authorize. The yeah, I mean, right. you know, she's taking no responsibility yeah. for parenting here. That's what I was going to say. This should be an opportunity for a parent when your son or daughter comes to you and like, hey, I want a loot box. Give me a llama loot box. That's your time to, if you don't know what a loot box is, learn about it and then have a conversation with your kid about why this is a scam. You know, like, hey, this probably isn't the best way to spend your you know, lawn mowing money. Make the kid work for the money so they understand it. Right. There's more coming up here. Free talk. Go to themorganreport.com and receive updates and insights you will not find anywhere else on the web. You will discover how to grow and protect your wealth under all market conditions. The Free Morgan Report provides interviews, webinars, question and answer sessions, plus mind-blowing videos. As David Morgan says, let my passion create your wealth. TheMorganReport.com. TheMorganReport.com. Free Talk Live, kicking off the third hour of Free Talk Live. You can call in and talk about whatever's on your mind. It's Mark with you. Jay. And Ian. And um, I've got a story to start us out with here is uh, this guy who's suing his parents for giving birth to him. From The Guardian, Raphael Samuel, a 27-year-old anti-natalist from Mumbai, believes it was wrong for his mother and father to create him without his consent. So, 
this okay, kind he's of from Mumbai, but where is he suing? Uh, well, the article's from uh, the Guardian, okay. and he's. Uh, it says he's from Mumbai, so maybe it's uh, in Mumbai. He, he's yeah. struggling for another handout, yeah. isn't he? I read this a couple of weeks ago, so yeah. I don't have everything uh, committed to memory. Uh, but he's 27 years old, and um, well, I, I mean, nobody consents to birth. So the only way to find out whether somebody consents to birth is by giving birth to them, right? So it's kind of a strange thing. It's ridiculous is yeah. what it is. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's he's he's correct, right? He what did not he consent. About? Yeah. <laughs> he can prov- he can do something about that. Yeah, he could kill himself. Right? So I support his right to do that. Yeah. But I think that that would be the End only the story. Thing. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that you can really get here is is that um, you know the pain and suffering for being alive. Well, you can fix that. Yep. So- yeah. Sounds like a brat kid. I sure didn't does. have to be born. <laughs> Sounds yeah. totally entitled. Yeah. So uh, this is written in a very strange way. It's, uh, it's got his name here, his age here, appearance, alive and regretting it. Why? Because he didn't ask to be born. Well, neither did I, as it happens. No, but you probably aren't planning to sue your parents for giving birth to you. I am not. Is he? Well, he claims to be. According to reports, Samuel from Mumbai is a committed antinatalist. What a coincidence. Antinatalist. I hate those classes, too. Antinatalism is a system of belief that holds that it is morally wrong for people to procreate and... A vast amount of human misery could be avoided by pe- people simply not existing in the first place. <laughs> it's a pretty simplistic way of uh, solving the problem of human uh, misery. Is to is eliminate humans. Hum- to eliminate humans. The Start with yourself. Goes- <laughs> Start with yourself, buddy. Yeah. I think more people are happy to be alive than not happy to be alive. They certainly don't seem to want to die, as uh, doesn't as 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 the same as seems to be the case for Raphael Samuel. Otherwise, he would have he done, done something it. about right. it. Right. If, well, it's a lot easier to complain yeah. than to do something. If nothing else, it sounds like a philosophical school with a self-limiting membership. It is actually a growing movement with adherents across the globe. The antinatalists? Yeah. I, I suspect most of them are trolls. <laughs> you know, it I mean, is so hard to tell who actually really believes the things that they're saying right. I mean, on the, the internet. The flat, the, the, the flat Earth Society used to be a joke. And then mm. we found people now that actually believe the globe, globe is flat. Yeah, they have conventions where they get together. Now, at least in real life, you could look and you know look somebody in the eyes, and maybe you could get a feel as to whether or not they're yeah. putting you on. Right. Uh, but on the internet, man, much harder. When you say across the globe, do you mean on Facebook and YouTube? Yes, but antinatalism is a long respected pedigree. Forms of it crop up in sects of Buddhism and Christianity, and more than one philosopher has argued that the optimal outcome for humanity is extinction. All of which falls short of suing your parents for having you. Yes, that would appear to be Samuel's unique contribution to the debate. Uh, what what is his thinking exactly? I love my parents. He writes on Facebook and We have a great relationship, but they had me for their joy and their pleasure. (laughs) Well, that's true. Selfish bastards. He's right about that, though. I mean, that's absolutely why people have children, right? It's for their own personal projects and reasons and preferences. It's programmed in your DNA. That's the reason, is is that we uh, have it programmed in our DNA to 
procreate. There's some of us are uh, you know unnatural aliens that uh, that don't have this desire, but the vast majority of us really do. I mean, I've always wanted to be a dad, but I've I've definitely know of women that have been like really hell bent and having a kid. At, well. Even so much as, you know, like, if you're not going to knock me up, I'm going to find a man that will, you know, like, mm-hmm. kind of stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah, well, there you go. Samuel apparently believes it was wrong for his parents to go ahead and create him without his consent. They were hardly in a position to ask him for it. He was hardly in a position to give it. They could not, <laughs> uh, could, could they not seek some kind of retroactive planning permission from him? He does not seem that, uh, it, it, he doesn't seem, uh, it doesn't seem that, that inclined to compromise. He continues, isn't forcing a child into this world and then forcing it to have a career, kidnapping and slavery? I knew it. I knew this was about these damn young people on the internet like, I hate that life's about having it. Why is life so expensive? How come I can't have my latte for free? Yeah. Well, then they don't want to work either. Right. right. Um, he's forced to get a job is what he Forced says. to get a job, yes. And this actually comes around to what one of our callers had complained about in the past, uh, Greg from New York, claiming that he is forced, that you know he's not at liberty to do whatever it is he wants to do because he has to work, right? That there's this, there's this force, basically, that you have to work, you have to do these things. Not really. You could always just become a hobo. You could, you could wander out into the forest and, you know, Catch some squirrels and lizards and try to cook them and you know survive that way if you wanted to you could you don't have to work well in modern society job. in modern society there's there's free money to be had if mm-hmm. you wish to have it um, you know all you have to do is uh, look what T J the spy was on mm-hmm. some kind of government dole he attempted to do it in um, here in in New Hampshire and it was very limited but in his home state yeah. of Illinois. Food stamps, I think. Uh, it was quite uh, available for a very long period of time. And so, yeah, you don't have to. You can look at look at Sarah, the caller who just called in. She's right. she's got an Obama phone and she uh you know gets her little disability for whatever mental illness she claims to have. Yep. Um and then she goes about doing work that she's interested in doing. All you gotta do is put on a nightgown and a wig, take a hair dryer, and go rob a bank, and when the cops show up, <laughs> Tell them the voices in your head told you to do this, and then you won't have to work at a gas station anymore and get 30% of your pay taken by the government and the other 30% yeah, taken by three, your ex-wife. Three hots you got, and a cot. You got nothing left. Oh, yeah. So you, you go to the psych ward for, for a month for an evaluation. Free meds. And then you get out and you're on disability, social security. You get housing assistance and you get food stamps. And I have a friend who did exactly that, and, and he, he's a paranoid schizophrenic, but he'll tell you he's not a paranoid schizophrenic unless the government's listening. In which and, case he is. And then, uh, <laughs> and, and then he said, well, you know, I just this is my activism. This is how, I, you know, and it was a child support that pushed him over to point. Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, if you can't earn enough money to live at some point or another, you know, you're going to be driven to it. I suspect you could just do it, right? Just decide. I suspect I could do some research online. Um, how do I go about getting food stamps and all the government assistance and stuff like that? There's uh, guides that you can, like, buy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure you could get, I'm sure they're free on the internet if you uh, if you just look uh, that, uh, you know, you go and, and check these things out. Probably uh, a good 40 hours, you know, so I take next week and I begin researching this, a good 40 hours worth of research, and then I just stop working, Yeah, just you- refuse to work, and, uh, you know, follow through on the guide, and pretty soon I'm in, I'm in pretty good shape. All I probably gotta- don't even have to spend any time in a psych ward. Google the symptoms of paranoid schizophrenia. 
and they'll have you right in there. Well, I mean that that's just one of them. Surely there are other uh, there's those other mental illnesses that pay just as well. But you know, big deal. So anyway, uh, this guy. Uh, on one hand, it sounds absolutely bananas. On the other, uh, the fifteen my 15-year-old self would be 100% behind, Samuel, uh, as the writer says here. He also writes, the only reason your children are facing problems is because you had them. So there you go. Um, antinatalism as, uh, I guess, activism. It's the first time I've heard of uh, the term, and there's a story over at The New Yorker. The case for not being born. It doesn't make any sense to me because you can turn the, you can turn life around relatively quickly. It doesn't take much. A garage, you know, um, is, uh, is a relatively easy way to take care of it. And I'm sure there's a variety of other ways. I don't endorse any of them. I believe suicide's a coward's way out. However, if you really hate life, there are solutions to the problem. 855-450-3733. 855-450-FREE, as in freedom. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, live Wednesday edition. Mark with you. Jay. And Ian. Call in and talk about whatever's on your mind. I want to tell you about ForkFest 2019. Did you miss ForkFest 2018? We can start planning now to attend ForkFest 2019. You can join liberty-minded uh, voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians uh, this summer from uh, June the 13th through the 18th for ForkFest uh, 2019 at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest is a fork of another camping party in the woods, and you're invited to come and create whatever experience you'd like to have. ForkFest is decentralized, which means no one's in charge, so it's up to you to create what happens. Like you, Jay. You're creating what man camp there, right? Yeah, it's man camp is what I'm creating, and uh, I really want to make real quick. Go find out more at forkfest.party. I I really want to make forkfest uh, pretty awesome. I want uh, and Ernie Hancock and I have been talking a lot about this, and we've been working on all kinds of things. And in fact, uh, speaking of Ernie Hancock, I'm going to be on his show uh, pretty much at, um, most of the days next week because I'm going to be hanging out with him and uh, Derek up in. Um, uh, well, we we're working up there in uh, Maine, up, up at Derek's place. But anyways, uh, we uh, and that's Derek Slopey from Agarist Hosting. Anyways, and Ernie's uh, show is called Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Yeah, it's uh, on at nine nine o'clock in the morning uh, Eastern Time on LRN.FM. And anyways, what Man Camp is my my idea to uh, restore confidence in mankind is is what this is really about. And so I got a blacksmithing shop, and I like blacksmithing. And there's a lot of really uh, easy blacksmithing uh, things that can be created. Like I was telling telling people about like the Mother's Day gift thing I'm working on. Make a towel holder for the bathroom for mom. And seven, eight-year-old kid can do this with a little help from dad and a little help from me uh, or whoever else wants to help them do it. And then uh, they can make a, they can weld together a coat rack or make a wind chime or all kinds of stuff. But at Man Camp at ForkFest, we're going to have, uh, I got a girl who's been doing some blacksmithing. She's a good friend of mine. And she's going to teach a knife making class where you're going to walk away with your own knife, for example. Sweet. I want to do that. And it's going to be limited to maybe six or seven people. You know, it's going to cost some money, 150 bucks, 100 bucks. We're not sure yet, but she's going to bring all the, the proper tool steel and she's going to have everything there. And 
you know, you're going to probably spend about mm, two to four hours making your knife and, you know, it's not going to be the best, most awesome knife in the world because most people, it's going to be the first time they're really doing this stuff. And then we're going to have some kids activities. Uh, we're going to have like an introduction to um, tool identification, for example. You know, very few people know what a difference between a quarter inch ratchet and a three eighths ratchet. And uh, we're going to have a get together, talk about sharpening chainsaws and playing what kind of chainsaws we like. Uh, I've been kind of working on a whole man camp schedule for Fork Fest. Uh, and we're going to talk about just man stuff like everybody in New Hampshire, for example, you know, should own a chainsaw and know how to use it and know how to sharpen it. And by letting these kids, you save a lot of money by being able to sharpen your own saw. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and by having these young kids come and we're going to do a kid's thing where the kids can just make some simple things. Basically it's going to be like a couple hours every day. I want to do like a kid's camp where the kids can come and, and just, uh, do some forge work, pound a little iron. It's empowering. Once they can do one thing, they can do lots of things. Well, the idea that they're going to be able to like for this this towel hanger that they can they can make that they can put in the bathroom, they can look at the thing every day as they grow up and literally be like, you know, I made that, and they can be proud of themselves. And then they can un- they can start the sooner that they start to understand. And when I say five and six year old kids doing this, I am dead serious about five and six year old kids doing this because that's when five and six year old kids are a pain in the butt because they're super curious. They want to get into things, and what has been happening for the past couple of decades. When I was a kid, they were, you know, putting they were pop, pop a couple uh, Ritalin and put them in front of the television. Yeah, and now it's you know devices and parents are overwhelmed or they're overworked or they're lazy or one thing or the other. And not everybody grew up on a farm like I did. And I want to give this opportunity to this local community here. And, I, and this is something I hope to, to to make popular and spread where other people can do this everywhere because we need to build confidence in, in, in the future generation and, and confidence is so huge because there's two kinds of people as far as I'm concerned that mostly want government. Those who are lack confidence and feel they need to be taken care of and those who are psychopaths that want to rule people are the ones who really want government in my opinion and I want to if we have more confident people in the future there's going to be less desire for a government to tell them what to do. Forkfest.party. I'm going. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, I think it's really exciting. Let's go to David calling in from New Mexico. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, yeah. Um, first of all, Mark, if you remember, you mentioned, you guys uh, said uh, Switzerland was the rated second freest in the world presently off of whatever you were looking at. And let, let me remind you that in, uh, and this fits in what I called about as well, but let me remind you that it, when I lived in Switzerland for a year and I had related to you that when cops get out of line in Switzerland, which they n- never do, because when they do, um, one dark night, half a dozen guys will beat the tar out of them, and uh, they learn that to, to not oppress people. Huh, never um, heard that. So that, it, that it, pardon? That, no, where? I hadn't heard that. Oh, yeah, I had said uh, or mentioned it on, on air on your program one night, and um Oh, let, let me give you another analogy. There was a. This comes under the heading of uh, the sheriffs in, the, in New Mexico are uh, expressing publicly that they're not going to uh, follow the laws that are. If the Democrat, uh, the, the whole state is Democrat right now. The led the um, Congress, the or the House, the Senate, the governor, uh, all of the statewide offices, and all of our national representation. It's, it's, all it's always Democrat. bad. So they, Whenever you have, yeah. um, in any legislative body, you've got the same party 
uh, through the throughout the, the the sides. They get a lot of stuff done, and none of it's good. Yeah. So so virtually all of the sheriffs in the state, the which are and all of the rural ones, it's only a couple urban ones that are holding out, um, have said that they're not going to. Uh, spend resources to enforce those laws because they consider them to be There's some in violation of higher law. Yeah, and uh, they're, they're, those sheriffs, they're um, 24 of the 33 counties uh, tw- and uh, 24 of the 24 county commissions of the 30 sheriffs that have said they're not going to follow this, the, the county commissions in those 24 counties have backed up their sheriffs and have actually voted to make their counties a Second Amendment sanctuary county where the, those laws, those state laws, are not to be enforced using county resources. And about 10 municipalities, uh, city councils, have also uh, voted on saying the same thing, that in their cities, their city cops are not to enforce the, uh, the those uh, state laws on, yeah, on the that's... red flag laws on guns and that's a really interesting and, um, point, David, is is that uh, many of these municipalities have to pay to enforce a law that was passed by a different legislative body than their own. Why should they have to do that? That's fascinating. Right. So they're not, so they're not, so they're not going to. And let me throw in, and, and I, I bring that up as a, you know, one, it's, in, it's notable, and, and two, it's a model for resisting the government that we have because, it, you know, frankly, I mean, on, on its face, the government that we have at the national level and other levels, but at the national level – is completely illegitimate because it in no way, shape, form comes anywhere near adhering to the founding documents of, of the country, which are a contract. You're absolutely with right. Um, with this, with the Second Amendment, thank you for the call, David. With the Second Amendment, it's pretty clear that it says uh, there shall be no law uh, that it shall not be infringed, and they're infringing it. Free Talk Live, 855 450 3733. If you want to move to the free state, you're looking for some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the realtor mark ward looking for a great real estate investment consider new hampshire which is ground zero for the liberty movement your first call should be to mark warden from porcupine real estate he's more than just a real estate agent he's your new hampshire concierge where are the best places to live do you want farm city the burbs or forest do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage there are homes in all price ranges in new hampshire and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com Free Talk Live. Live Wednesday edition. Mark with you. Jay. Ian. You can call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. But what's on my mind is the Free Talk Live AMP program. The AMP program uh, helps support Free Talk Live and our, make it so that we can reach more people around the world with the ideas of liberty. Before we can have a world that's more free, people must understand and be able to define the terms. Free Talk Live helps that happen and if you want to help us help others then join the amp program like 
T. Hammond did. He's a he's an amplifier, a gold amplifier. Ian, what level is that? It's ten dollars a month. Ten dollars a month. Now we only ask uh, people to be silver level, which is uh, five dollars a month. But I certainly want to thank uh, T. Hammond for his uh, his contribution to us on a monthly basis. It's amp dot freetalklive dot com. I'm certain that T. Hammond. Uh, and I'm, I'm certain that, Jay, you would uh, also support people going there and signing up. Absolutely. Amp. Amp.freetalklive.com. Ian, we are talking about this anti-natalist movement. Yeah, and I do have an article about it, Mark, but you really ought to put, uh, I think, Makona512 online because he's been waiting there on our Discord server. Ah, the, the Discord, yes. On the on-air call-in line room. It's a good thing you're around, Ian. And so, yeah, we should talk to him. See Let's what he talk wants to, to Makona. Sorry, Makona. My apologies. Hello. Sorry about changing the topic a little bit. I just wanted to get back to a topic that was on in the previous hour where they were referring to the loot box issue. Ah, yes. But the loot boxes uh, in what was the Fortnite is the name of the game. And there was a lawsuit that said, basically, my kids too bad at statistics to be able to figure out uh, how a loot box, what a, how a loot box works. Go ahead. Yes. I basically wanted to cover it in more of a general sense, but delve into like the core of the reason like why so many people actually hate loot boxes Mm. and the primary issue is that they truly are predatory in nature in the way that they try to fund those games basically the idea is to get whales of people who can dump a lot of money into the game yeah but the way that they do it is they're looking for people who have like an addictive personality who are likely to be addicted to gambling because the psychological ticks that they use for loot boxes are identical to the ones that they use for slot machines and And without, there are no regulations on that either. So well, basically, they can target real children money. as much yeah. as they want. You don't win real money, but you spend real money on the loot boxes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. So because of that, what happens is they'll get children into it. And for many, like especially with like console games and other games where it's like they may have purchased a game digitally, so their payment information is already on the account. Right. So now you might have a, a child that's using that account. They're putting their, their payment information is already there, so it's easy to buy the loot boxes now. And they can, and if the kid doesn't know much, they could easily spend hundreds of dollars or max out a credit card by the time the parents actually find out. Well, now hold on. There and are restrictions as far as what parents can put on. You know, you can, when you buy a game on these online systems, you can just put the card in one time. And you can have it not store the card information. So if a parent is allowing their child to have full access to the full ride of the credit card, then that is totally their fault. And totally. is it, let me let me ask you this, though, uh, Makona. It's not that I don't uh, you know disagree. I, I agree with you that these uh, hit all the same triggers as addictions uh, for gambling and these sorts of things. Sure. One hundred percent. This is a form of gambling. It's a dumb form, but it's a form nonetheless. However, uh, I mean, don't you think that we all have to go through something in our lives where we're like, well, that was a terrible idea. Um, And I'm not saying that it should be $1,000 or anything, but it does have to be a painful amount. That painful amount can be $30. It can be, you know, $150. It just really depends on the individual. But you kind of have to have a painful billing experience to know it's a bad idea to i don't know run up to too many cell phone minutes or call your girlfriend while she's in canada i remember it happened to me when i was a kid i was logging on to compuserve back before there was the internet uh i got i ran up a 200 dollars for one month 
bill on CompuServe from my parents, and they were not happy about it. Yep. So go ahead, McCona. Please answer that question. Don't you think it has to happen? Yeah, definitely. It's how people learn. They learn from their mistakes. I think the issue is just that, like some pe- for some people, it can come too late where they may have racked up like an inordinate <laughs> amount of of funds, basically being drained from their account. At that point, it's like, yeah, they've probably learned a lesson, but not earned that. Yeah, I think that um, they can't return a loot box, right? You can't return a loot box. There's no <laughs> doubt about it, and that's sort of the point. But I, so my son wants to spend some money on some online game stuff, and I, when he does, he has to come to us. Mm-hmm. He has to give us money, you, his actual dollars he's earned. Mm. That we then use the card and make it so that he can, you know, make the purchase. But we don't leave the information on there right. because that would be dumb uh and then he buys the thing every single time he does it he gets a speech about hey you remember that stuff that you got in monkey city or you remember that thing you got in this game or that game that you don't play anymore Mm. remember all that stuff it's now that money's just gone can can you sell these items that you get after the fact trade them in these games you, you, it depends on the games. game. I don't know. I can't speak to uh, Fortnite, yeah. but I can tell you the game that I play is uh, they they're walled off. They have firewalls or whatever, and you can only buy it for yourself. You can't trade anything to you. So if I decide to quit tomorrow, uh, the playing my Mar- Marvel Puzzle Quest, none of my stuff is useful to anyone. What you could do, so in some games, you can you know like a. I don't know, multiplayer, massively multiplayer online role-playing game, you might be able to have the bastard sword and, you know, give it to another character who right. pays you for it. But in your case, Mark, if you wanted to, you could probably sell your account. So you could say, all right, I've no, got this No, it's a Google badass. account. Oh, never mind then. It's tied to Google. Yeah. No, you couldn't do that. If it was separate, though, if like, like for instance, right. Fortnite well, is separate, you could These games, it. like um, Makona says here, they're designed to be as predatory as possible. They don't want you, in many cases, to be able to sell, buy and sell this stuff. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's games out there like that, and, and they, they those are deep and rich games. In many cases, these other uh, online games, they don't want to do that. You know, Makona, you said that there's a lot of people that hate loot boxes, and I, I believe you... Yeah. But obviously, yeah, a deeper. it's it's obvious to me that there's plenty of people that love them, right? Because these people are these Epic Games folks are making money hand over fist on these things, and it's yeah, not but, just Epic Games. Yeah, but there's like a deeper issue that really leads people to really hate it, and it's because it changes the balancing of games that use them. Mm-hmm. For example, like if you look at like most of the games that have come out in the past few years, like I'll just give one example, like Middle Earth: Shadow of War. They started off with that game having loot boxes where it was effectively pay to win, even though it was a single player game. Hmm. They made the grind and everything else and the difficulty to such a level that you basically had to put money into the game or wow. you would basically be playing the game as a full time job For to make any of of progress. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And now, hold on. Once was they that got a, rid of hold on. Was box, that a full price game where you had to pay 60 bucks? At, yes. You know, Wow, yeah, that sucks. That's even more insulting. Yeah. When when the uh, game players hate that when they pay for the game and then you and then you have to pay you. for the upgrades right. inside the game. So it's not a sixty dollar game; it's a two hundred and fifty dollar game. That's what made whatever. everybody turn on EA um, when their Star with Wars Battlefront. Yeah, right? when their Star Wars game came out, Battlefront, because not only did you pay sixty bucks for the game, but then you had these, you know, 
hundreds of dollars, thousands yep. of dollars you could have spent in game to, to to be able to do stuff. If you wanted the if you wanted Luke Skywalker, you had to kick out I don't know what it was, but some large amount of money. Or you could grind for an inordinate amount of hours. Right, which basically and grinding is a term meaning you're just trying to level up, you're trying to get kills. Or grinding whatever. is a great term because it really yeah. just describes what's going yeah. on, just playing and playing and playing. Right. Playing for the sake of increased arbitrary numbers. Yeah. They used to call it farming too. <laughs> yeah. So but, gonna, another thing that you'll probably notice. What's that? Sorry. I was gonna say another thing that you probably notice in every single game that has had their loot boxes removed for one reason or another, either through legal reasons, like in Belgium they've banned loot boxes, or through just the game developers deciding to get rid of them. In every single case, they've had to rebalance the game because all of a sudden a lot of players would complain about how difficult it was to make any progress. All right. Since all of them had to be rebalanced, that shows that the loot boxes made the game inten- they intentionally made the game worse in order so that they can sell the idea of not having to play the game basically that's true thanks appreciate for the expertise it. yeah appreciate it 855 4503 Yeah! It's Free Talk Live. Final segment here of the Wednesday Night Edition. Mark with you. Jay. Ian. And you can. I, we might be able to sneak you in if you make a uh, phone call here at 855-450-3733. But Ian, you've got the uh, 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 a story about these anti-natalists. And uh, these are people that did not consent to being born, which I guess none <laughs> of us did. But they're angry they're about it. They're butthurt about right. it. Yeah. To the point of filing a lawsuit, apparently, in one of their cases. Okay. Against their own parents. Yeah. Well, yeah, one guy, this uh, yeah. Samuel, something Samuel, uh, uh, Mr. Samuel. I'm... Uh, hoping that case gets thrown out on its butt because ridiculous on its face but uh the story here is from the new it's Yorker. not ridiculous it's yeah, it true is. you didn't he didn't consent however um you know what what do you do about it what are the damages yeah i guess they would claim that their whole life has been damages if they didn't want to be born right so, yeah i guess i mean well let's take care of that for you yeah. your life is your life is only as valuable as you say mm-hmm Right. So um, so take this pill. You're going to go to sleep and you're never going to wake up again. No pain. Right. The only Problem thing solved. we have. And, and by the way, uh, it got into the article. It got a little bit later. Uh, Samuel appeared to be not just angry about being born, mm. but having to work. Yes, that's what it sounded like. And he's like, he doesn't like the idea of having to work. So he wants a paycheck. For having been born. Well, he's going to be really interested in the new uh, universal basic income proposals. Yeah. You were born naked with nothing. Quite literally, in my case, I was born naked to a woman who didn't want me. Yep. yep. Everything I've got in this world, I have either been given by somebody or earned it or given the opportunity to earn it from somebody. And I'm grateful for every one of those uh, opportunities. Thank you so much to everybody who's helped me get where I am. But I am by no means angry about the opportunity to live a life. Well, David Benatar is, and according to The New Yorker, he may be the world's most pessimistic philosopher. An anti-natalist, he believes that life is so bad, so painful, that human beings should stop having children for reasons of compassion. Quote, while good people go to great lengths to spare their children from suffering, few of them seem to notice that the one and only guaranteed way to prevent all the suffering of their children is not to bring those children into existence in the first place. 
unquote. He writes in his 2006 book called Better Never to Have Been, The Harm of Coming into Existence. This isn't very deep. I mean, like, you could explain this philosophy in two sentences. Therefore, it's not worthy of reading a book. In Benatar's view, reproducing is intrinsically cruel and irresponsible, not just because a horrible fate can befall anyone, but because life itself is, quote, permeated by badness, unquote. In part for this reason, he thinks that the world would be a better place if sentient life disappeared altogether. Benatar was born in South Africa in 1966. He's the head of the philosophy department at the University of Cape Town, where he also directs the university's bioethics center, which was founded by his father. Uh, Solomon Benatar, a global health expert. All right. So he grew up during apartheid. Pretty pretty rough time, I guess, to be in South Africa, especially if you're a black guy. I don't know if he's black or not. but Beyond these bare facts, little information about him is available online. There are no pictures of him on the Internet. YouTube videos of his lectures. I guess you won't find out either, Jay. <laughs> YouTube videos of his lectures consist only of PowerPoint slides. One video titled, What Does David Benatar Look Like? zooms in on a grainy photograph taken from the back of a lecture hall until an arrow labeled David Benatar appears, indicating the abstract pixelated head of a man in a baseball cap. After finishing the human predicament, I wrote to Benatar, writes the New Yorker article here, I wrote to Benatar to ask if we could meet. He readily agreed. Then, after reading a few of my other pieces, followed up with a note, quote, I see that you aim to portray the person you interview in addition to his or her work. He wrote, quote, one pertinent fact about me is that I'm a very private person who would be mortified to be written about in the kind of detail I've seen in the other interviews. I would thus decline to answer questions I would find too personal. I would be similarly uncomfortable with a photograph of me being used. I understand entirely if you would rather not proceed with the interview under these circumstances. If, however, you would be happy to conduct an interview that recognized this aspect of me, I would be delighted. End quote. Undoubtedly, Benatar is a private person. Sounds like person. a bowl of laughs, this by, guy. Oh, yeah. By nature. But his anonymity also serves a purpose. It prevents readers from psycholog- psychologizing him and attributing his views to depression, trauma, true. or some other aspect of his personality. He wants his arguments to be confronted in themselves. Quote, sometimes people ask, do you have children? He told me later. He speaks calmly and evenly in a South African accent. And I say, he says... I don't see why that's relevant. If I do, I'm a hypocrite, but my arguments could still be right. Unquote. But, I have to agree with him that his arguments are correct. He was born without consent. However, um, I beyond that, this, I really— That may not be his argument. That's the guy who was filing the lawsuit I see. talking about. Well, it's probably—it's it's all sort of about this. Life being bad, that's just—that's uh, that's subjective. It's too bad he didn't get a little taste of man camp when he was a young man so he could, like, <laughs> you know, maybe— you know, have a little desire to do something productive and just make things. You know, you don't want life to be good. No, like you don't want life to be good. That's a ridiculous thing to say. If Would you go to a movie where there was no conflict? I mean, part of storytelling is the conflict. That's why you have man versus man, man versus nature, man versus himself, man versus, uh, you know, animal. There's a whole variety of uh, conflicts out there that uh, exist within story. Well, I do want life to be good, but there's nothing wrong with a challenging life being good. Well, you, you have that's because you, you look uh, at a challenge as good. You overcome yeah, I, the challenge. You you know you defeat whatever that challenge is, and then I look you, forward to challenge myself. Yeah. If I were to write a story about how great uh, you know everything, you know, have a character, and then have great things happen to the character, and then that's the end of the story. There's it's no boring. one's going to read it. It's boring. I, you know, 
I, I, I'm of the opinion that uh, that we are spiritual beings, have an earthly experience, but nonetheless, it, you don't have to believe that to realize that uh, without conflict, there is nothing. He smiled uncomfortably. This was exactly the kind of personal... Oops, sorry, missed the, uh, the other point here. When he told me that he's had an anti-natalist view since he was very young, I asked how young. A child, he said after a pause and smiled uncomfortably. This was exactly the kind of personal question he preferred not to answer. Benatar and I met in the World Trade Center where the New Yorker had its offices. Uh, he's small and trim with an elfin face, and he was neatly dressed in trousers and a lavender sweater. I recognized him by his baseball cap. On the building's 64th floor, we settled into a pair of plush chairs arranged near windows with panoramic views of Manhattan. The Hudson on the left, the East River on the right, the skyscrapers of Midtown in the distance. Social scientists often ask people about their levels of happiness. A typical survey asks respondents to rate their lives on a scale of 1, the worst possible life for you, to 10, the best possible life for you. According to the 2017 World Happiness Report, Americans surveyed between 2014 and 2016 rated their lives on average 6.99. That's pretty good. That's, that's better than two-thirds. That's less happy than the lives of Canadians, who rated 7.32, and happier than those of the citizens of Sudan at 4.14. Well, that's impressive that they say 4.14. These people living in Sudan are coming up with the answer almost even, you know, like... 4.14 is almost 5, uh, 1 being terrible and 10 being great. Yeah. They're, they're somewhere around good. Another, These people have uh, – the, it's, it, so the, what this is is this is a test of how people answer this question, not a test as to how they are – how happy they are. Another survey reads, quote, taking all things together, would you say you are A, very happy, B, rather happy – Three C, not very happy, or D, not at all happy. In recent years, in countries such as India, Russia, and Zimbabwe, responses to this question have been trending upward. In 1998, 93% of Americans claimed to be very or rather happy. By 2014, after the Great Recession, the number had fallen, but only slightly, to 91% of Americans. So Americans are rather happy. Yep. But they aren't living uh, the best life they could, according to these two things, when you put them together. Is that what, what we're saying? The point here is to say that people are relatively happy with their lives. However, Benatar believes they're mistaken. Quote, the quality of human life is, contrary to what many people think, actually quite appalling, he writes in his book, The Human Predicament. He provides an escalating list of woes designed to prove that even the lives of happy people are worse than they think. Okay. We're almost always hungry or thirsty, he writes. When we're not, we must go to the bathroom. We often experience thermal discomfort. We're too hot or too cold or tired or unable to nap. And we suffer oh, from... Oh, this guy's what we call... Um, I'm, I'm from down south. This is what we call an idiot. We call him idiots. <laughs> that looks like a little bitch to me. Uh, we suffer from itches, allergies, and colds, God. menstrual pains, or hot flashes. Life is a procession of frustrations and irritations, waiting in traffic, standing in line, filling out forms. Forced to work, we find our jobs exhausting. Even those who enjoy their work may have professional aspirations that remain unfulfilled. Many lonely people remain single, while those who marry fight and divorce. Quote, people want to be, look, and feel younger, and yet they age relentlessly. Wow. Well, sounds like uh, just a sample from this guy's book. Sounds this like some overprivileged uh, yuppies. It's just <laughs> complaining. Yeah, this one <laughs> this is. <laughs> it's incredible. I got no use for this crap. What's his name? Bitch. What's his name? Uh, professional bitch. <laughs> David Benatar. David apparently. Benatar. Well, there you go. Uh, check us out at freetalklive.com. Appreciate your time. See you tomorrow. 
All right, it's another edition of the Edgington Post Show. Today is a little special because I haven't done an interview over the Telos in a long time. So I want to welcome uh, Angela from Dogs. And Angela, are you there? Yes, I'm here. What does Dogs stand for? Dog Owners of the Granite State. So it is a statewide organization in New Hampshire. And uh, what's the purpose of it? So we are an American Kennel Club affiliated nonprofit organization. Yep. It was actually founded back in 1991 to represent the interests of all pet owners in New Hampshire. So um, at this point, it's all pet owners. It started out being dogs, right? And now it's uh, now it's all pet owners because it turns out cat owners need a little protection too, right? Yep, our membership actually grew and now includes a vibrant and active community of specialty breed clubs, all breed kennel clubs dog and cat breeders, veterinarians, mushers, hunters, livestock guardian dog owners. We even have started to grow into the bird fancy and um, people who have reptiles and other species. Right. So um, I grew up in a household where my mother showed dogs, and she still does. It's her, her, uh, her, her life's work. She loves it, and she is a delegate for the American Kennel Club. And, uh, for instance, she had a local cub club that was called the, uh, the Minnesota Doberman Pincher Club. So people who had Dobermans in Bradenton and Sarasota, Manatee and Sarasota counties, they would uh, you know, get together weekly and learn how to do what they call confirmation showing. And she also was, we had a Chesapeake Bay Retriever at one point. She took that to, and I can't remember the name of the club, but uh, a group would go out and they'd throw rubber ducks in a lake and these rubber ducks aren't, aren't actually ducks they're like a you've, you've, you have to have seen them they're like a a foot long and they've got little knobs on them usually they're white or fluorescent orange and the, the dog goes out and chases the thing and then comes back and brings it back in the water and this is what a retriever is supposed to do it's got a coat that uh, sheds water and dirt nicely um, and, and um, you know there's all kinds of these there's the people that uh, run their dogs through uh, obstacle courses and and then I presume that the cat people and the bird people, they have things that they do. I couldn't tell you what they are because that wasn't where I came from. But I know that lots of uh, there's lots of different clubs that do lots of different stuff. Uh, yes, exactly. And I am also involved in Dobermans and oh, are you? a member of the Pilgrim Doberman Pincher Club. They're actually out of Massachusetts. I'm the treasurer and corresponding secretary for that club. And we hold... Um, confirmation events each year, as well as what we call coursing ability tests, which do, test the prey drive of the animal. You do coursing with Dobermans? Yes, we do. Uh, we huh. also, we do allow all breeds, so it's not specifically just Dobermans at our events, okay. but the Dobermans have uh, quite the prey drive and really enjoy enjoy it. Huh, that's very interesting. What would you say distinguishes, uh, since we're both Doberman people here, real quick, and, you know, it's my interview, I can do what I want. What, <laughs> what would you say distinguishes a Doberman from other dogs? If somebody was going to, you know, um, say, I'm looking for a dog, why would I want a Doberman? What would you say? Well, first, the Doberman's presence in its appearance is one unlike any other. Um, they just have that beauty to them, but also the ability to be fierce-looking. Nobody um, robs a house where a Doberman lives. Exactly. 
But also beyond that, their temperament is unlike any other as well. Um, just the loyalty and obedience that the Doberman has is just something that once you have one, I don't know that you can have any other breed. Yeah, um, what I've, I I concur with what you say completely. This is a um, it's not just a one person dog. You people have seen that, and certainly you can have a Doberman that's a one person dog, no doubt. But they are really uh, they're they're a family dog um, yeah. to my mind. They 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 d- determine this is my family, and people can be added and subtracted to a family <laughs> at, at the very least, added to a family. Yeah, I've never seen definitely. anybody subtracted. So you can introduce somebody to the Doberman in such a way that, huh, you know, okay, this is one of my people's people. Fine. I shall protect you too. Um, <laughs> but, you know, at the same, and this same dog, you come in the house um, in under, you know, suspicious circumstances. It's a whole different story, bub. And um, what I love about them is that, Boy, you you don't have to worry about having free time with a uh, for at least a free hand with a Doberman because if you get your hand hanging down, they're going to shove their head up underneath it, and it's time for pets. Um, exactly. Gosh, they're little shovel-nosed beasts. I'll tell you, they just stick it right in there. You're trying to get some work done, and your arms being pulled away from the computer. Time to pet. Okay. Yep. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, I will love say them. that I had to put mine away for the interview so that if I needed to access the computer or hold the phone up. Um, you know, they weren't going to push it away and say, no, what are you doing talking on the phone? This is my turn. Yeah, I don't find them to be terrible barkers either. Some dogs, beagles, for instance, come to mind as dogs bred to yap, um, whereas uh, a Doberman not, uh, you know, usually they bark for a reason uh, right. when, when exactly. the barking goes on. And would you believe it that I actually have a beagle as well? Yeah, well, then the Doberman barks because the beagle barked. (laughs) Yes, exactly. The beagle is the initial alarm, and then the Doberman's the backup is what I say. Right. Well, the problem with having too good of an alarm alarm dog is is that they bark at a leaf that falls, and then you no longer pay attention when they bark. But nonetheless, (laughs) it's uh, I I think that the rewards – the rewards of owning a dog um, far outstrip things like, uh, you know, home protection or anything like that. I think that um, so the, statistically a house is uh, one seventh as likely to be robbed if there's a dog in the house than if there isn't. And that um, in and of itself, that's the burglar making assessments as opposed mm-hmm. to, um, you know, something else going on. I don't think you necessarily and that's not a dog, a big dog. It's just any dog. So the bark uh, in general is going to deter them and make them reconsider their move. Yeah. For me, I just uh, I I want a dog because uh, I I find life more rewarding that way. Some people want a clean house. I want a dog. (laughs) (laughs) You can have both. It's just a little more work. God, I can't imagine that's really true. (laughs) (laughs) But there are dogs like poodles, for instance, that don't do a heck of a lot of shedding west Moreland Terriers. I might have the name right. There's, uh, you can look into it. There are dogs that are hypoallergenic. There are dogs that don't shed much. Um, those things can be had. Uh, I, that you know, Do- Dobermans have uh, small hairs, but you know, you're gonna have hair that's uh, that comes off of just about any dog. So that's yep. that's how that goes. Anyway, uh, the purpose of dogs, the organization, is to look at, among other things legislation in the Granite States surrounding dog ownership. And one of the reasons I had you on is there's some really kind of ugly laws that are coming into play here in New Hampshire. I'm not 
in there pitching for Republicans and saying they're the greatest party uh, ever. But I will say that this year in New Hampshire, we've got all three uh, party, uh, excuse me, the House and the Senate are both democratically sort of uh, run and Eh, they're no, they're kind of known for the nanny state stuff and getting involved in your uh, in, in in your policy there, and they're a little more deeply aligned with the Humane Society of America, whom I consider to be a terrorist organization. So, can you tell me some of the things that are facing the Grand Estate right now? Sure. This year, we have quite a number of bills that we've been monitoring. Um, the ones that are kind of at the top of the priority list, there's two in the Senate right now. They're actually voting on them uh, on the Senate tomorrow, and that is SB 161, and that is relative to the definition of a pet vendor. Um, they did actually expand the definition to include health certificates and adding a position to the Department of Agriculture. Um, and that bill is quite problematic for many hobby breeders uh, who is a part of the dog owners of the Granite State uh, community. And what this bill is looking to do is actually reduce the number of puppies, and they're pulling in cats, ferrets, and birds as well, to 20. Our current uh, law allows for 10 litters or 50 puppies before you enter what we currently have as a definition of commercial kennel. Is that at one time? Ten ten litters or 50 puppies at one time? In a 12-month period. Okay. Yep. Um, So, you know, you could have a a number of litters in the course of a year, and depending on the size of the breed that you have, you know, you could have just a couple litters and get close to that 50 number. Um, Or if you have the smaller breeds, you know, it may be the number of litters that would dictate whether you enter the commercial kennel definition. So my uh, our the only the only experience I have with this is when my mother uh, bred our uh, Rottweiler Jade, mm-hmm. and she had I think twelve a litter of twelve a litter of eleven um, and a litter of ten. Nothing wrong with a, a bitch having uh, you know every year having say uh, a litter, and so if you've got five bitches and they each have 10 puppies bam you're there right i mean it's not yeah. it's not terribly unusual for a hobbyist one of these people that would you'd see at say westminster dog show that's the one that everybody knows so uh, it's the one i use here or ukanuba um you know these people they they often have uh you know five or six or seven full-grown dogs at their house if they, um, you know, if five of those dogs are bitches and they have, uh, you know, 10 puppies each, you're beyond what they're going to call a hobbyist. So what happens if you're beyond a hobbyist? So in current law, if you enter past that 50 threshold, then you need to be licensed. Um, there's an inspection process, and that would be of your kennel, and Who's that inspecting? could be your home. Who's inspecting? There's a fee associated with that license. Who's, who's doing the inspecting? And, excuse me? Who's doing the inspecting? Um, somebody from the Department of Agriculture, typically. Um, we do have the state vet involved in that process as well, from my understanding. Okay. Um, and in addition to that, there is a whole section of law that dictates what they are inspecting your facility against. Um, for various things as far as water ventilation, um, walls that are impervious to moisture, and different things. 
So, Things that definitely could be difficult for the in-home breeder. So you, um, this is currently, the, the current law says 50 puppies, right? Correct. And it's, they're trying to lower it to 20, correct? Correct. So um, at, at, at this point, it's right now, at this moment in time, it's considered safe and uh, humane and just and whatever, all these positive things. If you have 49 puppies um, in a given year uh, to not have all these things, but if you have 51, then you must have this ventilation and water and all these other things that uh, are otherwise not in play, correct? Correct. And Along gonna, with the license and the annual inspection. And they're going to yep. change those numbers to 19 and 21 or 19 and 20 or whatever. Um, so, okay. Correct. 19 and 20. Yep. Yeah. They're basically going to take hobby breeders uh, and re- limit them um, to having very few uh, you know, puppies to sell in a given year. Um, let's talk real quick about, um, since we're you know on the subject, the first thing that people are going to think when you think of puppies is puppy mills, puppy mills, right? Like this <laughs> word has been driven into the uh, cultural uh, uh, verbiage to the point that it's like the first thing people think of. Now, my right. experience is that if you get an, so if you get an AKC, registered dog that means that mommy was a champion and daddy was a champion they had to be shown they were likely shown at at least uh at least five shows maybe 15 in order to get the the points and the legs and all the things that they need to get to get a championship they've been shown to have uh, you know the right amount of testicles the right amount of teeth uh you know to be a uh, at breed standard or better um you know these are you know great animals and even if you get what they consider to be a pet quality out of one of these uh, litters, you're still getting an animal that has uh, really great genetics because, heck, they've been, you know, they, they've been judged based on it. This isn't a puppy mill. And to call uh, somebody who does confirmation showing and has, you know, AKC papers and all that stuff, a puppy mill is the height of insult. I couldn't agree with you more, and I appreciate you bringing up the topic because the hobby breeder, which we're essentially being labeled these days, I would rather call us preservation breeders or, you know, responsible breeders. Even beyond the things that you mentioned regarding the lineage of the dogs, the confirmation titling, we also look so heavily at the health and behind the dogs and of the dogs that we're breeding. Um, and pour, you know, thousands of dollars into health testing before we even consider using the dogs for breeding. Yeah, it's uh, it's absolutely true. I mean, the amount of money that gets spent on vet bills <laughs> by uh, these hobbyists, and I grew up uh, with them. I mean, it wasn't just my mother. Obviously, this is this is where I went. Uh, you know, this is where I did my homework. I, you know, I'd sit in uh, empty gymnasiums that are rented out by uh, these uh, the people showing these dogs. Um, you know, I'd talk to the other kids whose uh, parents did this same hobby. You know, these are those were my friends. This is where I grew up. I I know what these people are like, and I'm sure there's a bad apple or two. But I don't even know how they'd slip through. Frankly, I don't even get how you'd be a bad apple as an AKC uh, breeder. I'm sure they're out there, but I don't. I, you know, I. I, I don't know uh, what the specifics are, but, it, it, you know, it's very difficult for me to, to imagine. Now, if you go in onto Craigslist and you type in golden retriever um, and then you go and, you know, you just go buy from some breeder who has golden retrievers or what they're calling golden retrievers. Well, then, sure, 
you may be getting a dog that's, uh, you know, that you don't know the health or anything like that. But if you go to an AKC registered breeder and you get a pet, because, every, uh, you know, out of a given, you know, litter, you might have one or two that the breeder thinks is going to be uh, champable, right? Like is going to be <laughs> be able to be turned. The next to- big Right. You know, and they all think their dog's going to be. It's just like, uh, you know, just like anything. Their kid's the smartest, their dog's the best. And there's nothing wrong with people feeling that way. We're human. We're supposed to feel that way. But they also know that some of the puppies that come out of a given uh, litter are, they're not going to be the next big thing. They're just some, they're just going to, they're just great for being somebody's pet. And they are. What I love about a breed as opposed to a bunch of mutts, now mutts and rescues are all the rage, um, but what I like about getting a, a, a bred dog is, is that you have a generally consistent temperament. You and I were able to commensurate here about Dobermans because we have them, we know what they're like, and they're relatively consistent. There might be a tweaked out weird Doberman out there, but they're generally like Dobermans are, are like, and that is helpful. You know, if you get an Australian Shepherd, you're going to get a certain type of dog. Yeah, uh, you're going to get a very busy mind. The dog's going to have a very busy mind. It's going to bark a lot. It's going to try to herd you and all this kind of thing. You get a Jack Russell Terrier. Be par- be prepared to be very busy for the next twenty years with this dog. Uh, you know, um, you get a Great Dane. Well, you're probably going to have a you know more slow paced existence. Same with a Basset Hound, because you know what these animals are like based on. Uh, you know, personalities and these sorts of things. You get a, a rescue. Well, there's a reason that that dog w- is being rescued. We don't know what it is. If you get a mutt, well, you don't know what their personality is going to be like. I'm not saying it's going to be bad. It's just you don't know. Exactly. And when you think about it, we're talking about purpose-bred dogs. Each one of the breeds has a purpose or originated from a specific purpose and need that we had at one point. Now, we may not utilize that purpose to its fullest extent nowadays. Um, Lifestyles have changed. You know, there's less farming and different things for some of the herding dogs, but they still have those instincts, the drive of their original purpose, and you know what you're going to get, not just in looks, but in temperament. And also you're going to know, you know, the health history of that breed and you're going to have the ability to do preventative health care, monitor things that are typical within the breed. And you don't get those luxuries when you get a mixed breed. Um, Although they can be great dogs, you just are kind of leaving it up to chance. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, when you get, uh, I, I just said Great Dane, and I happen to know that a Great Dane is a very old, it's an ancient breed, right? So, um, you know, the, the people that bred Great Danes bred them for a reason. I suspect it was protection and intimidation would be my guess off the top of my yeah. head. What was that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, intimidation, particularly. Right. I mean, it's a gigantic dog. It doesn't tend to live long, six to ten years or something like that. But, uh, you know, that wasn't the the, pur- the purpose wasn't for longevity. The purpose was for this intimidation and protection uh, kind of aspect. And uh, so, you know, they they already put the time in. 
people selected animals that were better, that were more intimidating, that were better protectors, and they selected for that particular aspect of uh, the, 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 the given dogs in the area, and they created over time this breed. And... You know, you want to try to reinvent the wheel? You know, by all means, that that's fine. Look, uh, my friend Ian here, uh, right in the studio right now, I believe. I uh, can't turn around and look. Nope, Jazzy's elsewhere. Um, has a, he's got a, a mutt, what he calls an American dingo. And I think it's a pretty accurate uh, description of what the, the dog is, that it's uh, more of a native breed here. But, um, you know, she's a wonderful animal. But you don't know what you're getting any given time when it comes to a, a mutt. And I'm, so I'm not trying to disparage them. It's just that you have some better idea. You can make some generalizations about them. Let me go on to the, uh, the this next bill, the, the next Senate bill. What's that called? Um, we have Senate Bill 77, and that one is regarding cost of care bonds. Okay. And that one is looking for in animal cruelty cases um, when dogs have been seized or animals in general, they want to require a $2,000 bond that needs to be paid per month per dog. And otherwise, if you cannot afford to pay that bond, you would be forfeiting your animals um, while you go through the court process. Try to explain that a little bit more to me. So this is would this affect every pet owner or just ones that have been brought up on whatever charges we're talking about here? This would just be somebody who was being accused of animal cruelty. The animals have been seized. And in order for the municipality to take care of the animals, they want this bonding um, so that they can pay for the board or any veterinary care that the animal may need. So this is an extortion. You pay this $2,000 and we won't uh, euthanize your animal. Right, or neuter it and rehome it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, whether or not you are guilty, you, you don't get your day in trial because we don't want to take care of your – we want to keep your keep kicking your trial date out month after month after month till it takes like three years for you to finally get a trial. And then, um, you know, at that point we've, uh, we've rehomed the animal and there's nothing to win at trial anyway because you've already lost. We look at it as forced forfeiture yeah. because the, the price of the bond is just so high – I mean, if if you have, you were talking earlier about somebody who may have six dogs, um, you know, that's going to be $12,000 a month in order to keep access to your animals while you're going through this process. And we know how long these processes take. It can be years. Um, You know, this bill does try to introduce a period of time to help the courts get a priority on cases that involve animals, Um, but that isn't something that can be controlled because it is up to the court. Yeah, the other thing when with these uh, these uh, animal cruelty situations, and you know, you never you never know exactly what happened. Are there people? Are there animal hoarders? By God, yes, there are animal hoarders. Are there people that are targeted by a municipality for whatever reason? Yes, that happens too, and we don't know the difference, and likely we will never know because most of these cases you either have to be rich or just plea out. Those are your choices. Because, you know, to fight this, 
it is extraordinarily difficult. Believe me, the public defenders aren't going to be rushing to your aid to spend all their free time to make sure you get to keep your dogs. So if you get on the wrong side of some municipal worker or uh, some elected bureaucrat in a given town or whatever, I've heard it over and over and over again that people just they just go after people with animals. You know, you don't even have to have a whole bunch of them. They can just go after you. They say you're not taking good enough care, and then they report to the newspaper that uh, the dog was in terrible condition. It looked dehydrated and, uh, you know, wasn't getting enough food or was getting too much food or, or you know, the, not the right food or God knows what. They can say anything they want, and the reporter just writes it down because, well, who else is going to say anything? And then your lawyer tells you to clam up. So uh, so you don't get to say anything, and then pretty soon, um, you know, the, uh, the, the case works its way through. In all likelihood, they're going to offer you a plea bargain, says that you can't have animals for the next uh, 12 months, and you pay this amount of money, and then it all goes away. You're looking at the lawyer's fees of taking this up uh, on down the line, and you take the plea because it's cheaper. That's how it's done. And there's two other things to think about as well. <clears throat> One, if you're found innocent, you aren't going to get the bond money back. No, that was so the care of the animal. Gone. Yep. You're not going to get your animal back if you forfeit it because you couldn't afford the bond. And two or three, I guess, you're never going to get your reputation back. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, now you're an animal abuser. You know, yep. and they said so in the you newspaper. Know, you search your name and it's going to be somewhere in the interwebs and it'll always show up. What can we do um, about uh, first? Let's say let's say you live in the the Granite State. What can you do to help? Yeah. with these bills. Yeah, uh, definitely reach out to your senator. Um, you can go to the general court website. Look up who your senator is for your district. Reach out to them. Give them a call. Um, ideally, if you can get them on the phone, and you can explain to them why you don't agree with these proposed laws. Um, you can also email them. Um, that works well as well. So it's likely that some people will be hearing this after um, the the vote has occurred, up or down. We won't know. That's uh, something that may may occur tomorrow. Uh, what would happen? Uh, can you call the the governor? I mean, is the governor likely to uh, sign these bills? So what actually happens next is because these bills started in the Senate. If they pass, they're going to move over to the House likely to the House Environment and Agriculture Committee. And at that point, what you'll want to do is be looking at who those committee members are and reaching out to them to let them know, you know, we want you to oppose this bill or here's the recommended amendments that could make this a supportable bill. And also contact your district's representatives. So if the bill comes out of that committee and goes to the House floor for a vote, they know to either oppose or support it, depending on where things are at at that time. Did these two bills come from the same uh, politician? Yes, they did. Can you tell me the name of that politician? That would be Senator Jeb Bradley. Ah, well, he ran for governor at one point. Is it, I thought Jeb was a uh, Republican. He is. Oh, well, how nice. Looks sounds like he needs to be uh, targeted. Um, now... These kind of things go on in the other 50 states and around the world, too. What can people do who may not live in the Grand Estate? Monitor the legislation as it comes through. 
find out if there's an organization like Dog Owners of the Granite State within your state. Um, many states do have similar organizations that keep an eye on this stuff and act on it. A lot of people think, oh, you know, I don't breed dogs, this doesn't impact me. Eventually, it's going to impact you. Your choice is going to be limited in where you can get a dog if the breeders stop breeding because the laws are too restrictive, and you're going to, you know, only have the option of going to a rescue or shelter. You're going to start to see the purebred population um, supply go down. You know, that's likely to increase prices. Um, and eventually it is going to start impacting the pet owner in other ways because these bills are being pushed down from the Humane Society of the United States, and their agenda is to basically stop animal ownership. Yeah, that's really what their agenda is. Uh, their agenda is is that they believe that animals uh, should be wild and free or whatever. I guess they forget that uh, being um, you know a wild animal means being on the verge of starvation almost all the time. But um, you know they they don't respect the relationship between uh, pets and people. And I'd like to recommend uh, you know just following the the American Kennel Club. This is an organization that you may think just has to do with classifying dogs or uh, there's a bunch of nerdy wonks. And, uh, certainly there are, by the way, <laughs> nerdy wonks that care, care about, uh, you know, oh, my God, that uh, that German Shepherds uh, doesn't have uh, his hips aren't low enough. Uh, that's that's not breed standard or whatever. And leave that to the judges. But the American Kennel Club is also an organization that advocates for uh, dog ownership generally. And uh, best I can tell, it's a pretty good good organization they do have legislative alerts um, you can go on their website and sign up for them so that you can stay up to date on the different things that are happening within your state um, they have a government relations department that monitors the legislation and is you know thinking through it for the animals for the dogs and for the people that stand behind them Angela, thank you for your time here. Will you get in touch with me if there's uh, more uh, terrible legislation that comes around? Just send me an email. I would be happy to. Thank you for your time. Yep. And what's the website? Uh, nhdogs.org. nhdogs.org. Thank you. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of... Where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because... I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. Your amp will directly change more lives by getting Free Talk Live in front of people looking for talk radio online and on the air. You can help by joining the AMP program for just $5 a month at amp.freetalklive.com and getting perks. That's amp.freetalklive.com. 